0: Hello, you lovely, lovely people. Welcome to the latest episode of the BJJ Strength Podcast. And today I'm very excited to bring you an interview with a good friend of mine and an incredibly experienced, someone who's had, I believe, about 20 years of experience as a strength and conditioning coach, John Davis. John is, he's uh, actually, I was going to say, former um, strength and conditioning coach for a, a, mul- a number of California and high school football teams you know state championship level um, high school football teams but he's about to start a new job um he's been in in strength and conditioning in some form or another for the last 38 years um having you know first got into you know personal strength and conditioning when he was 12 apparently after he was told to get really strong legs and eat loads of bananas by his um by his uh, coach at the time, so that's that's an interesting story. Um, you know, ex 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 military, ex ex police officer, um, very varied, um, an interesting life and, and background. Honestly, I think ba- have barely scratched the surface of John's knowledge, but we still got a two and a half hour episode. You know, we talk about kettlebells, we talk about Olympic lifting, we talk about his. Um, he's he's fifty years old, and honestly, is one of the toughest people physically that i that i roll with you know gives me an incredibly hard time physically um at 50 is still you know a real real beast to deal to deal with so we talk a lot about john's routine how he's looked after his body um some of the stuff that he's focusing on now how he tackles uh you know strength conditioning for the jiu-jitsu athlete and um, we talk a little bit about competition preparation we talk about a whole host of stuff um So, you know, really, really good, really, really good interview. I think you'll enjoy the show. I hope you enjoy the show. Um, Before we get into it, I've got a really good deal for you guys that Scott Isley has said. He said he would do this in the show. and He's followed up. He's been good to his word. So Scott Isley was on show number 27. He's the founder of Mobilitas. One of the leaders in myofascial release tools. So go back and listen to that interview with Scott if you haven't already. But he's got some great products and some of the muscle gel that I talked about in that show. That it's really good for, you know, helping with muscle recovery. Some great foam rollers, some great massage balls that I use. A little tool called the peanut. It's one of my favorite for rolling up and down the spine. But Scott has given me a code. Strength 15. So it's S T R E N G T H, then one five, strength fifteen to get fifteen percent, fifteen percent off their products at mobilita, mobilitas.store. I'll put the the details in the show description because my accent is hard to understand. So if you didn't catch all of that, look at look at the show description before, but head over to mobilitas.store get hold of some amazing myofascial release tools get hold of some um, muscle gel and get 15% off your order order courtesy of scott thank you scott i'm sure people are gonna like that but with that guys let's get on with the show and let's start let's start speaking to john you're listening to
1: the bjj strength podcast helping you be your best physically on the mats and off the mats BJJ Street Podcast with your host BJJ Black Belt and Physical Optimization Specialist Lawrence Griffiths.
0: Um, <clears throat> so we'll start. We'll start with introductions. So you're you're the famous John. Famous. You're the famous John. Do you know Infamous. why? You, do you know you why? Know why you're the famous John? No, I don't. Because I, I think you've you've picked up on this on one or two podcasts I've recorded for this show, but also when I've been on some other people's podcasts. I always talk about there's a person that I talk about, and it I, I it will typically go like this. So yeah, there's a guy I roll with, John, and remind me how old you are. Fifty. So you're fifty right now. Say, John, John, John is fifty, and physically he is one of the toughest roles I have when I go training, (laughs) and I and I I use you as an example and a testament of, of looking after your body and how you can still roll like a lot harder than people 20 years younger than you okay. so this is this is that john this is john hey. davis for the for, for the awesome listeners. it's
2: just been infamous before this so now i'm famous the infamous john davis <laughs> All right. I, I, I appreciate that
0: but that's not the only reason i've got you on here because you're not just you're not just tough um you're obviously a great guy too but give people just a little bit about your background in strength and conditioning and your background in jiu-jitsu etc and we can we can go from Something that. There.
2: Yeah. Well, being 50, it's 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 pretty deep and pretty long. But I'll, I'll try – and I thought about it, and I, I'll try to make this short. And how I got into being a strength coach was was a, a, a definitive moment in my life. It was when I was about 12 years old, my Pop Warner coach. He looked at me, and he, and he said, you know, you're a good football player, but if you want to be good in high school, you have to have strong legs and eat bananas. And I'm like, okay. And, and that literally was the moment when strength – and the nutrition aspect both became part of my life, and that was you know 38 years ago, and, and I what, never. When,
0: so this would have been 19 what 1970. Uh, 19 about
2: 1980. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, about 1980, and uh, he said that, and I was very passionate about sports. You know, I mean, I, I grew up in a in a pretty uh, crazy dysfunctional home, and sports was my outlet and it was my way out. Yeah, is why I was in the sports and what drove me. So if. if getting strong legs and eating bananas made me a better athlete so I could become a professional and and get out of the situation I was in, I was gonna do it. And I became seriously obsessed and it's never stopped since that moment. And I started reading everything I could on nutrition and training and my neighbor had some weights and started lifting weights when I was 12 years old and started eating and running at the track and I got obsessed with it and I continued on. and. Again, until today, so that's how I I began.
1: Yeah, that's how I started. Wow, in
2: it. So, and I actually, this is pretty funny because I found a diet I wrote, I should have brought it for you. Okay, a diet I wrote when 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 I was about 13 years old, and it said Davis diet. My mom laminated it, and I looked at it, and I showed it to my friend the other day. And uh, he's like, Oh, that's not bad. I looked at it, it's not bad for like 38 years ago. Of a a a 13 year old, for a 13 year old, it said Davis diet, 100. What was was on there, roughly? (laughs) Man, it was just like soup and meat and some vegetables and you know actually it wasn't too bad it wasn't it wasn't too bad i, I forget everything else i should have looked at it before i came today but i'll show it to you i'll, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll show it to you it's like a couple pages
1: Thank and, and, I, and I and i and
2: i came up with that it's, it's kind of like how i come up with my strength systems and everything i do i i just read everything and i look at it I evaluate it does it make sense and i put it together and see if it works and if it works i go with it and i just started reading at the time and i started putting things together and i made a diet back then uh, again at about 12 13 years old so wow <laughs> what
0: was what was the information like if you can remember that far back
2: that I was reading in, uh, in 1980 where do oh you man. where
0: did you get books what were the books like how
2: see unfortunately I was growing up in the 1980s and in the 1980s the the big thing was bodybuilding so it was muscle and fitness I started reading muscle and fitness magazines and yeah. started reading those routines and and I got and and I was following those routines and eating a lot of food and training there was no performance training. there was no Olympic lifting or kettlebells or anything like that it was bodybuilding stuff you know go up there and do three sets of ten and pyramids and drop sets and all those things and I started doing it and, and it and, will
0: make you stronger if you come from a base of zero
2: absolutely yeah and I got stronger and I, and I was stronger than most people pretty quickly I mean I went and I and I started at, at my freshman year I went into high school I was a pretty good athlete I ran a 4 seven and a 40 which is pretty good yeah you know not amazing but pr- pretty solid solid and I ran track then you had to be fast and then in the offseason I was lifting I was lifting hard so by the time I was 17 I went from about 135 pounds as a freshman to about 190 pounds as a junior and I ran track a couple years I was squatting over 500 pounds for reps I was I had some really strong legs I was pretty big back then wow. so I went into my junior year and I thought man this is gonna be awesome we're time in 40s and I'm like I know I'm gonna run like a four or five or something I was pumped and I get up, and, and I'm in my stance, and I go, and I felt man, that was a good time. The coach goes, 4-9. I'm like, you got, what? You got slower. I, and I was cussing at him, like, you're wrong. Do it again, 4-9. Did it again, 4-9. And I was so pissed. I was so pissed. I got slower. I was bigger. I was stronger. Did all these things, and I got slower. And really, that kind of directed, again, my path to how I'm a strength coach and my philosophies and what I think. And my, my, I guess, obsession with whatever I'm doing is, is it relate to the mats or the field or whatever the sport is, you know? And it's not about looks or how much weight you lift, but does it actually translate to what you're doing? And that hit me, and I didn't know at the time. All I know is I did this, and this was a result, and it sucked, mm. you know? And that concept kind of stayed with me. I went in the military, and I did some training, and, and I remember in the military thinking, like, you know, why are we running these long distances? We're tennis shoes and shorts and we're running 5, 10 miles at times. And then we go out to the field and we got weight, you know, a rucksack on. Boots. Yeah, boots, you know, carrying anywhere from 70. I mean, when I went to combat, you know, I was over 100 pounds carrying around Honduras. So what, is, what does that running relate to that the field? Nothing. Those little skinny guys that would smoke us in those long runs, we go out the field, I would put a rucksack on, uh, destroy them. So there wasn't, there, you know, I thought about it back then, you know, and I kept lifting weights when I was in the military. But really the thing that, that put me on my course to my study and training and my philosophies and what built that was when my son, my older son, was, you know, eight years old and he wanted to play football. And so I knew, you know. He ended up being 6'2", but, you know, me, I might be 5'9". <laughs> I don't know. I think I was 5'9 in college, but, you know, 70-plus jumps in the military and everything else. I 5'8". Yeah, I'm probably 5'8". <laughs> Legitimately probably 5'8". But I was like, okay, if you're going to play football, you got to be fast. So I hooked him up with the speed coach, Rick Aguadorin. He's a, he's my high school coach, probably the best speed coach in the country, I think. Okay. Definitely one of the best speed coaches. When did you go to high
0: school, real
2: quick? Uh, my freshman year, I went to St. Paul High School, and then I went to Sonora High School. Which is where? In La Habra, California. Okay. Yeah. So he was one of my high school coaches, and he'd become uh, just a top level speed coach. So I hooked up with him. I hooked up with him. Just pause real quick. So you
0: hooked up with that other coach, but if you there's a a little clip in the chair. If you pull that in, this. Yeah, you shouldn't. And the chair, no. (laughs) John's now five or two. Um, if you put there's another one if you put it in there i just want to make sure that yeah i can't go back yeah yeah there you go so you don't come so far away from the mic there you go guys a little uh, entertainment interlude for you so you hooked you hooked up so you hooked up your your son with rick haggard okay yeah
2: and so i trained him in speed and then we got to that level and i was asking rick so to be a an athlete to be fast what's the next step after you know we get the sprint mechanics so to be fast obviously sprint mechanics is the number one thing that's the quickest way to get faster yeah so after that, what do you do? And he and he said, strength. You got to be stronger. So as soon as he said that, I immediately thought, oh man. I thought back to my experience in high school. I was like, well, I started lifting weights, and that didn't help me out too much. So I just threw myself in the the studying and and trying to understand, you know, what you do in the weight room does it translate to the field does it make you a better athlete so Mm. you know that that is still to this day it's it's kind of like my driving thought in anything i do like well why are you doing that like the why the why is so important in anything but people lift weights and they get tired and they do these things well why are you doing that like why are you doing eight reps or 10 reps or 12 reps Right? Why aren't you doing five reps? Or why are you resting 30 seconds instead of a minute? Do you understand why? Is it just to get tired, to get sweaty, or is there a purpose? And there needs to be a purpose in that. So that kind of sparked me in that direction. And then I just started studying and training. You know, I, I'm definitely a non contrarian when it came to like my. I didn't go the traditional route, go to school, take, you know, kinesiology and learn from some guy, and and I'm not a sheep, for sure. I just, I started studying a lot of the Russians. Actually, that book you were talking about the other day, The System. The System. I I, I had that, and I read that, Um, but uh, I started studying a lot of the Soviets and the Eastern Blocs and the, the Bulgarians, and just their concept of strength training is so different than Americans. Americans, it's about, you know, working out, going to failure, getting a sweat, getting a workout. There's and concept, and I'm, I know you you read a lot about Pavel. They talked about skill training. Yep. Looking at strength training as a skill. Yeah, you know, you're not going in there to get a workout. You're going in there to develop a skill. And the better your skills are, the stronger you're going to be, and the mm. more, yeah, the more productive you'll be in, in the weight room. You're not. Your chances of injury are so much less than just going in there for a workout. You know, I mean, that that's a big thing I I teach everybody, whether I'm in high school or any athlete is you don't train to failure. You know, you, you always keep one in the bank, and I think you remember, Paul yeah, talked about. I talk about, a lot. about that a lot. It's so important, it's yeah. so important for for injury prevention and getting stronger. Mm. You know, not just getting a weight up. Are you getting up there white, right, the right way, biomechanically correct? Um, so, so that concept of of the the Russians, Mel Stiff. I don't know if you ever read super training, and some it, it, it was just no. so different. And this was so, when was
0: this this was like in the, in the 90s
2: this was yeah this was my son was born in 90 probably about 97 98 okay you know and, and at the time i was i was still a police officer actually i wrote a police power training manual okay. for my department it was, really? like a, it, was, it was like a little mini book was ronnie from, coleman in your police department no but I did see him when he was huge yeah I don't, I don't know I wasn't that big as a cop I was pretty big but I wasn't that big That dude was like oh, he's, bro- he's broken now he's broken yeah
0: he's getting walk. did you watch that I, that, saw, I that watched Netflix. about the first 30 minutes I thought I couldn't watch the rest
2: yeah it was It was tough yeah. well I saw him at his peak he was at the gym I was at and he walked upstairs he's like Sigh. he was like out of breath he, he couldn't, couldn't breathe yeah because one time as a cop I, I got to about 220 I was like hitting it hard. Yeah. You know, 5'8", 220. And I'm I ran all up, Man, I ran after this gangster and I get him down, and I'm like ah, I'm too big. <laughs> I gotta go down. So I ended up I I, I was probably like one ninety five, two hundred most of my career. Yeah. Which is well, a little bit bigger than I am now, but yeah. Yeah. Probably still even a little too big about You
0: think you're, you're, you were you were a little too big then? I think I
2: was even a little bit too big. I knew I wasn't training right.
1: Mm.
0: You well, know? it depends. You, you, you've said why? Why are you doing it? What are you doing it for? Right? If you're if you're playing football or you're playing rugby, that mass has a to a certain point sure. has a performance benefit, right? You've got Absolutely. more mass and you've got the speed and agility to go with it. You're harder yeah. to bring down. But I used to, when I was playing rugby, I was I think at my heaviest, <clears throat> I was. 230 maybe 240 pounds 103 kilos whatever someone can do the math and work that out 103 kilos and now I floor the at about 93 kilos and, f- f- and for a rugby player that's not big mm. in the position I was playing and you know it was a decent size I think for my frame and the level I was playing at but it's not big by any standards <laughs> and, I've, and, uh, and over time I started jitsu, and I just naturally didn't need to carry that weight right. and I feel better not carrying that weight
2: Oh, absolutely! Yeah, it's uncomfortable when you're that big. Yeah, especially when I was like 220, is really uncomfortable. You know, you, you know, even at 200 wasn't as bad. A five foot eight. That's yeah. big. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was pretty big. Couldn't stand in an elevator for sure. <laughs> yeah. Of course, yeah. The door's sideways, yeah, yeah. Those sideways. My butt was always pushing me forward. You know, Corey's <laughs> like, "You got a gorilla butt." I'm like, "You don't know," because back in the day, I had a gorilla butt. Really? Now it's maybe a chimp butt. I don't chimp know. Chimp butt. Yeah. <laughs>
0: So bringing it back to, we can talk more about butts, um later, but bringing it back to, so 1998, 1998, 97, 98, you yeah. said, right? So then you got into, was there much information about the kind of the Soviet strength training at that point? How, how, did, not, you, how, how did you get hold of that information then?
2: Not as much now. Um, I mean, not as much then as there is now. Yeah. Uh, but I, yeah, I just researched and went the libraries and... Um, trying to think how i got turned on to some of those guys it was probably a few years later um because i think how i got turned on to it is i'd find books i mean i probably got hundreds of books yeah <laughs> at my house yeah um but i would look in the books and and some of the guys that i like what they were saying they'd always reference they'd reference super training and they referenced some of the soviets and what they yeah. did and i i started seeing early on that there was a huge difference and and then especially come from the bodybuilding background like I did. By the way I did compete in bodybuilding, it's kinda of embarrassing to say. <laughs> Do you have I photos? Nineteen eighty seven teenage Mr. Huntington Beach. <laughs> <laughs> really? Yeah, very embarrassing. That's yes. brilliant. Yeah, it was not brilliant, but I did win. I almost got into that field. They they were trying to make me like Mr. Bodybuilding and promote me. I'm just like, no, I'm not, I don't really want to go that route. You know, it, it it just you know my gym, like I said, it was it was all bodybuilding and I was training at a gym, my local gym and they're all bodybuilders and, like, and this okay. is about
0: ten years after the Arnold wave, right? Because Arnold was late 70s, early 80s.
2: Yeah, yeah. I actually saw him training in World's Gym. I was down there in Venice okay. Beach and I saw him doing leg extensions in front of me and I was looking at him. He's like, how are you doing? You know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That was pretty. Cool. Cool day. That's yeah, cool. That's about all I got from him. <laughs> and
0: then he's like, Don't interrupt my word Yeah, i really. showed
2: up. Yeah, no, he was nice. So, um, but yeah, I was that was, uh, bodybuilding days were 1986, 87. It okay. was kind of when I was playing football too. Yeah.
1: Um,
2: and then as far as like when I got into the Soviets and training, 98, um, you know, I started getting into it. And then I ended up, uh, uh, and I continued on that, pr- started, started coaching, um, I was coaching youth football with my, my kids, and I started coaching track. And then it was 2004 is when I retired from law enforcement. Okay. And that's really when I threw myself into it. and was like, this is what I'm going to do. And, I, and a short time later, probably the, the big thing is when I went and got certified uh, with with uh, Mike Bergner. He's a senior Olympic lifting okay guy in the West Coast. Okay. He was training a lot of Olympic athletes. I got certified through him, but really uh, through that course... Um, I got introduced to Kettlebells. He, he came like in a break and he started flipping Kettlebells. I'm like, man, that's like the coolest thing ever. You know, so I started diving into ke- Kettlebells and got a hold of Pavel's stuff. Yeah. And I ended up getting certified um, up in Minnesota, which about 2006. Yeah. I, he actually was there. So I Pavel. actually, yeah, he was actually there. Oh, I got to cool. meet him. And that dude was funny. Have you ever seen his videos?
0: I've seen, I've, I've listened to him speak on a few podcasts. I've seen his videos. He's the kind of guy that, i could just hear him talk for hours
2: yeah but that? how he talks he, he's like funny like victims and all that
0: right comrade uses comrade. He uses comrade, comrade. So he uses comrade that's
2: how he is in person it's not an act <laughs> like i saw him he's like he gives me that funny smile and he's like how you doing well, you know <laughs> you, like,
0: you know chad used to work with him right chad lewis oh yes yeah
2: for strong first Yeah, yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but he was incredibly strong, skinny dude that he would take that beast, that 48 and press it like nothing as he was talking to you. It was incredible. 48
0: kilos and he can't weigh more than about 75, 80 kilos. Yeah. He's not a big guy, right?
2: Yeah. So for us Americans, yeah, not more than 180 pounds. And I he's, mean, I think uh, he's about 6'1", 6'2". So he might be about 180. So he's doing a one arm over, overhead press with 106 pounds. Strict press, like Strict nothing. Press. Like nothing.
0: Oh my God.
2: Yeah. And I've never, I think I got 48 at my strongest a few times. You know, I, I've pressed it before. I couldn't do it now, right now, but. What's the heaviest get up you've ever done? For 48. Okay. Yeah. 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 I'm not there right now. I'm trying to get back up there, but. Yeah. Jiu jitsu will give you those little injuries that kind of <laughs> set you back. <laughs> it's right? funny that. It's funny how that happens. Like, yeah. my neck is so jacked up because there's this dude, this jerk who was cross facing me so hard on Monday that I couldn't even, like, move. You know that guy. Who's that guy? That tall British <laughs> dude. <laughs> you,
0: <laughs> it was John, John and I, we John and I rolled on Monday, yeah, and just before we rolled, we had a quick, like, literally six, sixty-second chat to, I suppose, prep for this for this conversation today for the podcast, and then I said, "I'm going to need to, I'm going to need a," you know. Trying to put a beating on you now because I can't have you beating me and you're coming <laughs> on my podcast a couple of days later.
2: Oh, I appreciated the beating. <laughs> that, that was that was physical. You know, you are the only guy that gets me to breathe. Uh, Chad a little bit, Lewis. He does. He does too. Yeah. But your pressure and your strength. It's yeah, yeah. <laughs> I gave you respect before I even knew what you were doing because you're pretty solid in there. <laughs> you know? Well, it's
0: yeah, but no, we, we have good roles, man. Yeah, I enjoy I enjoy yeah. rolling with you a lot. Yeah, the, the I think I, I we I, we have a lot of banter deckers. Uh, one of John sons, Seth trains with us as well, right? Yes. And um, he's Seth is what like twenty five. Yeah, tw- just turned twenty six. Just turned twenty six, right? Um, you know, he used to play college football, and now he's training to be out you know fighting MMA and stuff. So he's very physically demanding. But I always I always wind up Seth to say your dad's tougher than you. <laughs> <when> he's fifty.
2: <50." laughs> <laughs> he gets so upset. <laughs> <laughs> only thing that makes me more upset is when people say we look like brothers. It's like, shut up, he looks like a grandfather. Well, you look young for 50, dude. Thank you. Do you dye your hair? I don't. Everyone says I do. I do not dye my hair. Yeah, you got a little bit of
0: gray in the beard, but not much.
2: Yeah, my grandfather, he, his hair was dark up until he was like 70-something years old. He mm. got cancer, he got he got gray.
0: Yeah.
2: Really quick, before that, his hair was pretty, like, jet black.
0: Just real dark.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, dark Um So, yeah, no, well, it's my hair. It's... I'm, uh, i still have it and it's dark so <laughs> yeah you yeah. do
0: it's a good it's a good mop player um so what you, so i want to get back to the kettlebell before yes. we do do that because i think we're going down this tangent is so you're you know you're, you're, you're 50. obviously you've done a lot of strength training throughout throughout that you know the last 30 well 37 years right if you go, all, if you go all the way back or 38 years even what are the other things that you have done or that you do that you think helps you still to be able to train Jiu Jitsu at a certain level of intensity that a lot of 50 year olds that I've rolled with at least can't.
2: Well, there's a lot of things like you said, but I'll, I'll tell you one thing. Um, when I was a police officer in 98, uh, with the a dude out, slipped on some grass, fell on the sidewalk and my handcuff case drove in my back, tore up my L4, L5, L5, S1. Like when, as soon as I hit, like I felt like my toes exploded and Mm -hmm. I knew I was like, I knew I was hurt. You know, I mean, I turned him over and put the, put a beating on the guy, of course. But after that, I was like, this isn't good. And, uh, went to the hospital, was off for a couple of days, uh, and then I was just like, this sucks, they, and I went back to work, and I was just like, I'm just going to deal with this. And at the time, I was training. I was actually getting ready. To, I was going to do some MMA fighting. I, okay. was, you know, I surfed. I was a very active person, and I had to stop that. So it you just started like, grappling
0: back in the late 90s?
2: Oh, man. I, I started grappling in 93, 94, right when I got out of the military. Yeah, way back when. Wow. But as far as uh, to go back to, to the back and some of the things that helped me do in Jiu Jitsu was that injury. And I went through the process of the doctors, they sh- shut they shot me up with some cortisones which were horrible all day to make my back worse. Yeah, um, Really decreased my flexibility at the time.
1: Mm.
2: Um, I was off and it just kept getting worse. I got to the point where my right foot, I couldn't feel it. And, and finally the city doctors were saying, you're fine. I'm like I'm not fine cuz I'm not a wimp. This hurts and I can't feel my foot and I can't sleep. And this was going on for a while. So finally I had to go get an attorney, to get my own doctor, and my intentions was just to get better. And of course, my attorney wanted money. They send me to a doctor and it was just a scam. He's like, "Man, you need to walk with a cane. We're going to fuse your back." I'm like, "You're not going to do any of that." You know, and at one point they videotaped me working out. And my lawyer's like, "Why are you working out?" I'm like, "I'm working out cuz I want to get better. These are things I can I'll do." To totally look
0: after myself. Yeah,
2: I'm not trying to make money here. I just want to get healthy again. And that whole and I ended up just sneaking back to work I just like I faked out a doctor and I got back to work but through that process it, it just really like the whole core training and all that aspect of it is I really dove into how do I make because my back is what it is I didn't know that my body could heal itself and those discs could be healed because they were both shredded up and what had happened is is the discs that were solid basically looked like Swiss cheese they did this one test I think I forgot what they called it where they went go in and take a picture they inject dye and you just see the dye coming out right out wow. and, and that fluid was leaking on my nerves which caused a problem in my foot and the doctor said I'd never feel my foot again I'm like really that sucks so that's where I was and I was just like I'm just not going to accept that and I'm just going to do everything I can get all the muscles strong around it I'm going to work on my flexibility and all that aspect and get my core so strong that it will protect that injury because I don't want to be an invalid. I'm not yeah. going to get my back fused and so that aspect of taking care of my back and the core aspect and strength was always part of my training like anytime i was training anything that aspect i I always thought about that so that i think that was a huge part and even with my kids when i started strength training them it was like i'm gonna make your back strong because you're not going to deal with back pain. back pain sucks i mean those years i couldn't really sleep you know and by the way my foot i could feel it totally fine yeah totally fine how long did it take to, to get that was a few years a okay. few years till it, it totally went away. Yeah, you know, it was like the big toe for a while, and it it's fine now. You know, I mean, do I ever have back injuries? And I don't think because of the injury, just because of guys like you, because you <laughs> crushing me.
0: Have, because you trained jiu jitsu, yeah, it happens, right? Right,
2: a- abso- abso- absolutely. Yeah. So that that's a big part of it. And then as far as a a, a strength coach, um, one of the things I was on from an early time was was. Uh, flexibility like what does actually that mean I and mean, people think okay. of flexibility as touching their toes and flexibility easy definition for me is strength through range of motion meaning you know i if i can touch my toes that's great but if i'm not strong from that position that's not flexibility so strength in my mind
0: through range of motion
2: strength through range of motion and he, this is kind of funny because i started coaching my older son when he was eight years old and this was 20 uh, something years ago he's 28 yeah. by the way yeah my oldest one and we were warming up and I'm doing dynamic we're doing lunges and you know lateral lunges and you know inch walk and the parents were like they had this meeting. They're all concerned. They're like, "You're not stretching." I'm like, I started laughing at them. Right? I'm like, "Really?" So how many of your kids before they go on the playground stretch? You know, before they go on the jungle gym and jump off that jungle gym, they're like, they felt stupid. I'm like, "Do they ever pull their muscles?" They're like, "No." I'm like, "Kids don't even need to do that for." Her. I said, "The only reason I do it is just to get them focused for the for the practice." Now, as you get older, you get more muscle. You need to do it, but still so that concept is the same. It's getting their getting our bodies prepped for what you're actually going to do Mm. so static stretching i I, you know read obviously what does static stretching do it it predisposes you to injury and decreases performance and that's a fact and it's been studied and i think i heard you talk about that uh, i think the only i think
0: the only exception i think the only exception that i would make to that there are certain things i do with uh, i do more dynamic type stretching for jujitsu well the only thing i have here is tight hip flexors can inhibit sprinting is is the only thing that I that I've heard of um in terms of the, the a positive side of strat static stretching yeah. going into there's always exception right the sure. most performance type type activity i think jujitsu jitsu can be depends what kind of jiu-jitsu fight the match you're going into going into training versus going into competition yeah. how explosive how dynamic you think you're gonna to need to be in that match right whether i can suggest for people to do it or if you've got a pre pre-existing injury mm-hmm. that you know for example if your hamstring is is, is quite tight on the left hand side then you there probably should try to you know lengthen that i think mm-hmm. before go before going into it otherwise but generally yeah you know yeah. static stretching is I, do, I have recommended it, actually, in one of the programs that I've got. I recommend it for people when they're doing combined with some strength training. Mm-hmm. But the idea of that program is not to develop maximum strength. The idea of that program is more to develop longevity and and, and a, 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 not performance strength, per se, but func- I don't even want to use the word functional. <laughs> I'm trying to stay with the word functional, <laughs> but I mean... I've um, heard that before. Um, just general longevity type strength so i know it's not an ideal way to do things but at the same time if that's the only time that you can get your stretching in i think it's better than not doing it at all
2: yeah and then how you do it too i mean i I don't think you're sitting there just like i'm gonna keep stretching make it hurt you know (laughs) like football coaches do right yeah you know you know you could do it and it it could be productive and there's times i'm not saying i've never done it but it's usually post and it's not hard you know and and there's a there's actually an aspect of static stretching because you're not always moving. Even when you're doing dynamic stretching, there are times when you're stopped. And if you're stopped, what is that it's static? So you're not continually moving.
0: So when you're working on mobility, so let's yes. say you've got someone who is, you know, the ham- hamstrings are quite tight and quite short, which is going to be really common for a lot of people. Sure. How would you How would you tackle that with someone?
2: Well, the mobility aspect, I would always, I usually always start with their hips because usually that's where most of our problems are, mm-hmm. you know, for sure, in the hips. You know, and I'll kind of work out from there, you know, focusing on, on, on the hip aspects and, and the mobility Um it, Basically, going doing a 360 around. You talked about hip flexors and our glutus minimus, and yeah. um, for sure the, the glutes themselves. So, so I'll, and that's how I one. Well, it's not the initial way I start my warm up, but that's where I'll focus on early on in my warm up. You know, I have a definitely a, a, a process to how I warm my body up. I go through the joint warm ups first. Yeah. You know, especially being a little bit older, that's really important. And yeah. then I'll go through the hip aspect as, as far as the center. You know, our core, whatever yeah. you want to call it, getting that loose, and then working out from there because a lot of times that hamstrings being tight um, is the reasons that people do pull hamstrings or their hips are off and and their hamstrings will compensate and end up pulling. Mm. Um, I Actually, I've learned a tremendous amount about the whole kinesiology and that aspect. I have a muscle doctor, Dr. Adams, Mark Gomez, these guys. You talk about what's helped me train today. Without those guys, there's no way I'd be training today. Um, They really like, I got to myself to a point after the injury where I could do a lot of things, but I still wasn't training. But when I went to them, they, they, you know, how can I explain what they do? I... The, the term he uses is like neuromuscular reeducation. Basically, goes okay. in there and balances out your body, you know. And, and a lot of us, you know, especially me, had a lot of old injuries and in scar tissue. and you know, the scar mm. tissues get up there and disrupt, you know, how our muscles are designed. And it's going to make your muscles weaker. So, he gets in there and he digs. And it's not comfortable. Um, I guess you could think of it coming, coming, as, in, as, as deep tissue. But it's a lot more than deep tissue. I mean, he's a lot of different techniques. Um, but just getting there and digging out all the old scar tissue I had, balancing out my muscles, telling me what was weak, what was strong, uh, what I need to strengthen up. And I've used him with all my athletes over the years. He's out in Orange, um, and he's done amazing work. He, he works with NFL athletes. and What are the kind all, of
0: what, what so, new, so you said neuromuscular... Re-education. re-education. I just
2: asked him like, "What do you call what you do?" You know? re-education. Okay. And he goes, and he and he used that term. I mean, he's Jim Adams is a, is a chiropractor. Mark is like a kinesiologist. But the system they do is, they use everything. I mean, we've heard of Rolfing and deep tissue. Um, what's the other one? Pressure point release. Yeah. They, they use all of it, and it depends on the injury. And that's a big thing he, he explained to me is, like, depending on the injury is how we're going to attack that injury. Now, I mm. can't go any deeper than that, but I know what he does is miraculous. He's worked on my boys, both my boys, and yeah. numerous, you know, when I was a strength coach out in Orange County, mm. um, I'd always send my athletes to him. And But, but the point being, we're talking about hamstrings, and, and so many athletes – hurt their hamstrings you know and almost yeah. always it's it's a, an issue in their hips you know whether their hips are tight or rolled or whatever it is so when you
0: say so let's clarify with hips cuz i sure. think people people say tight hips and they think hip flexor or we can think hips in terms of the, the actual hip capsule right? like it's a because it's got it's got far more movement than just up and down with a leg. Right? Oh, absolutely. So, what so do you mean? A lot with? Do you, do you mean both? A combination of both?
2: Yeah, and it could be everything. Okay. Right? I mean, it could be it, you know any of those muscles when in the hip area, the the core area. I mean, what's what's the core? Core is not just our stomach and our lower yeah. back. It's everything. Right? Well, it's the let The so what? So us, as yeah. so as glutes, hip flexors, everything. So when I so I, I, I probably be a better way to put it when i say hips i'm meaning everything you yeah. know and some type of muscle imbalances and as athletes we are we get jacked up we get pulls and our hips are off because of a soft tissue issue you know we might have a strain or a pull and then then it's going to move our joints out of a place and then it's going to pull on another muscle and just that whole aspect of it
0: compensation upon yeah. Crops and compensation
2: yeah I, mean, yeah I mean i mean the majority of injuries are caused by muscle imbalances. You know, yep. Those muscle imbalances happen through what we do. I mean, look at what we do. I mean, you had me sideways, one leg was on one side of my body, and my head was over here, <laughs> dude. I have all kinds of muscle imbalances, right? The fact,
0: um, that, your fact that you're gonna be right-handed or left-handed predominantly, you've automatically, everyone's got an imbalance, even, yes. with, the, even with the organs in the body, mm-hmm. right? It creates certain imbalances. And um, I've, a uh, point of the book I'll show you later, anatomy trains over there um and the the, uh, have you come across well obviously you know what the myofascia is right I'm not going to insult you by by asking that but the idea that well the fascia is just one web but we have these at least the theory goes and he calls it a theory himself but it has a lot of clinical practice that backs it up is that we've got certain lines of where the force travels along the myofascia of the body and I've been doing some assessments on myself before I start using it with people and I could see that there's these little just Left shoulder, maybe slightly further back, mm. slightly tighter on the left, on the left hand side, and just these little things that when you're just scanning across, you don't really notice it. But when you do an actual assessment and you mm. really go into it, you start to pick out these imbalances, like my left calf and left foot being a lot, a lot tighter, and then that obviously translates up through, up through the body, and it's it's crazy stuff.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I heard you actually talking. I heard that the myofascia is actually an organ now. That's, I heard did, that. That's did, awesome.
0: Did you listen to the last podcast? Is that about half it of it, yes. Yeah, about half of it, I didn't okay. get
2: to, I, yeah, I want to fin- finish it, but I heard it's an organ now, which, and our skin's an organ, so why wouldn't the myofascia?
0: Yeah, give me two seconds, we'll just So yeah, the, well, I don't think it's, well, it's new to a lot of people, and we, we look at, and I've got, I'm looking at some of the books that I'm reading, and you see the anatomy books, and they'll talk about the the connective tissue in terms of, the connections of the muscle to the bone but mm-hmm. almost no not not anatomy book but more strength and conditioning books that i've read and you've read a lot more than me so you may find oh, i've had a different experience but a lot of it they don't talk about the fascia it's it's very reductionist, is the way that we look at the body and try to break it down to its individual components which is if you let's bring it it's bring it to jujitsu. if you teach Um, an arm bar from closed guard, then I'm going to break it down and show you the individual elements to help Mm. you understand that. But then you've got to see how it works as a whole with the system. And the body is so complex. Yeah. But there's so much that we, well, we may get results from certain things, but we just don't know exactly what we think. We know why it works and we've got reasons because even, you know, when you think of the studies and the research, you've got got a study that shows in those particular conditions and that scenario, you get a certain Result, But that's all, it it proves that in that scenario you may get similar results. It doesn't prove it infinitely that it's always going to be that way. This is the way you do it. Yeah. Yeah,
2: absolutely. Yeah, Yeah, it's always evolving. Strength training is always evolving. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And then to your point about myofascia being in those books, I never read it. I never read it and I read a lot of books and I'm mm-hmm. talking about myofascia. Obviously I've heard about it a few years back, you know, I mean foam rollers come out and myofascia. I'm like, what's a myofascia? <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, you feel kinda of dumb when you when you hear about it, but then you know, then you then the more they study it, the more you realize how important it is. So I have all kinds of tools for myofascia. I wanna finish listening to that podcast because I wanna see what that guy was talking about. Scott. I forgot his name, yeah. Scott. What yeah. he was talking about because I'm real interested. And what he uses, because I have all kinds of tools too, from rumble rollers to fascia blaster to, man, I just got a Theragun, man, I, I'm always... What's, what's the Theragun like? Theragun's awesome. Yeah. I love it, man. That's one of those things cost? I think the one I have was about, I think... When bought it for me for Christmas, my best Christmas present ever was about $500, somewhere in there. Okay. I, I don't have the, I don't think we got the industrial one, but it's a lot cheaper than the, uh, what's that? They used to have one of the DMX.
0: The the, the no, tim Tam? No,
2: not the Tim Tam. There was one, back when I was a strength coach at J. Sarah, Gavin McMillan, he, he does sports science lab. He's the guy who did the rehab for George St. Pierre. He actually met- mentioned Gavin okay. on his retirement. But Gavin's an incredible strength coach. He, like me and him are from different spectrums, but man, I really respect a lot of stuff, what he does. Yeah. And one of the the things he had was a, what's it called? DMS, was it? Oh man, I forgot what, that, what it stands Dynamic for. Dynamic Muscular something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But basically it's like a Theragun, but it's the, the older version of it, but it was awesome. I mean, it's like a $3,000 thing. It's like this big, looks like a gun and it's metal. Um, And that thing felt great. And I've always wanted to get one, but they're too expensive. And then these guns have gotten popular... And um, they're all over the place now, but you know, five hundred dollars is a lot better than three thousand. But I think it's 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 the same concept, you mm-hmm. know. It's getting that vibration, you know, through the outer layer into the the deep into the deep, into the tissue. deep tissue really mm-hmm. helping like with the scar tissue and getting blood yeah. flow. So I'm using that thing a lot. I probably use it twice a day, sometimes really? more than that. And I'll use like my whole warm up process, my old man warm up. I mean, it's gotten longer and longer, so it's probably. Like do you an have hour a routine,
0: that routine oh, yeah. each morning that you do? Yes. So, you, what time do you get up in the morning? Um, about five to five thirty. Okay.
2: Yeah, usually about then. So, like,
0: a, what's the, what's the first thing you, you 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 do in terms of other than going to the bathroom, right? <laughs> <laughs> other than going to the bathroom, how does just talk me through it? What, what my morning. It? Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Absolutely, because I'm pretty routine. But the first thing is drink water, and I'll probably drink 12, 16 ounces of water. Right. How, my, how,
0: my, how many milliliters is that? What's sixteen ounces is about is about? I don't know. It's about five hundred
2: mils. I'm pretty. I'm pretty bad at math. I need. So. A, we need a
0: mathematician to work part time yeah. on the show because we always throw these numbers out.
2: Yeah. Well, we got about twelve to hundred fifty sure. milliliters. Probably about. Probably about seven hundred fifty milliliters. So three quarters of a liter. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Pint and half. Yeah. It's alkaline water, and I got my big thirst layer. Right? Alkaline, because you have a filter, right? You have a filter. I do in have your a home. filter. Yes. Yeah. Yes, sir. I have one of those. So I'll drink that, and then I'll then I'll do a contrast shower, uh, starting off with cold. You yeah, know, I do, I'll do the Ben Greenfield method of 5 minutes 20 seconds cold 10 seconds hot um, and then from there I'll go down I'll, I'll drink my apple cider vinegar drink
0: yeah uh, what, okay what do you put in it
2: I put 2 tablespoons of apple cider vinegar yeah. I squeeze some lime and some uh, sea salt okay uh, yeah so so I'll drink that and then while I'm so you don't mix the,
0: it with the water yeah, I will mix it. With, I'm sorry. Oh, so yes, mixed with yeah, the water. Yep. Yeah, yep.
2: Yeah, okay. Yeah, I mix it with some water so I get some more hydration in that way. Yeah. And then uh, after that, then I'll start making my coffee. I make it for myself, quenching my wife, and then also my son who complains. You know, <laughs> 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 is that all the coffee? Right. So I'll, I'll make some coffee, um, and uh, and then and then from there, then I'll you know I'll, I'll do some reading. I'll read the Bible usually, and then I'll then I'll. Um, prep for my day yeah. a lot of times it's checking for work yeah. for what I'm doing what, what, what am I looking at as far as my workload for the day yeah. and then I'll start my warm up um, probably around 7.30 and it depends on how sore I am and then my initial my initial warm up there would be usually usually the gun usually the Thera gun yeah um, and then from there, depending on how I feel, if I have something that's really bothering me, um, I'll, I'll probably roll out and get my whole body, you know, and, and hit an area with like a rumble roller Yeah, is what I use Yeah, that, that form of foam rolling and I might hit an area hard. Mm-hmm. And then I, then I've also been using what I see right there. That's so right. And oh, that so thing right. is yeah. so awesome. Yeah. You know, that's pretty good. huh? So awesome. <laughs> so, so, so awesome. Oh, <laughs> yeah. So I they, love they that you know what?
0: We can talk about it because they, 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 they sent me this and I've, I've been using it. I've enjoyed it a lot. I pay for mine i mean I, 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 yeah well I am there you go, buddy you got it, you gotta be like a strength English and an expert um. <laughs> um. That's awesome. That's a, I'm going to sound like a twat when I just said that, but anyway. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I've, I've been enjoying it. I've been enjoying it, but I, I've wanted to give it a thorough usage over a couple of weeks before I talk about it with people. I'll Please, just talk okay. about it because I use it. Yeah, absolutely. Go for it. And,
2: and, man, I mean, the psoas is, you know, I, I know your listeners here. you talk about the psoas, so they probably have an idea. But a lot of people still don't to this day, which amazes me. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's that thick strand that goes from our stomach to our lower back, and it's the tightness. It causes attaches old... to the
0: bottom rib of the, rib of the back.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. It, I'm trying to think exactly where it attaches but it attaches to our back how's that
0: somewhere in, the back.
2: <laughs> it's somewhere in the back yeah and it causes a lot of pain and it's usually tight from from sitting or diff, different things and, just modern life yeah and getting back I talked about Dr. Adams and, and, and Mark Gomez one of the things they do is they dig in that psoas and it is not comfortable and the worse my back is the more it hurts yeah so, and I've never found a tool that can get to the psoas like they do. So when I saw that, and I, and I heard on Joe Rogan, Michael Chandler was talking about it, and I'm like, I'm gonna get this thing. I'm gonna buy it. You yeah. know. So I got that, and man, that thing's amazing. I also use it for my my upper back too. You know, I mean, we get a lot of tightness in our shoulders, and yeah. which is very painful to use that thing on. But man, it helps. It helps. I use it a lot last night because again, some dude smashed me yesterday, Lawrence. <laughs> And uh, it helped a lot. I could actually move my head. So, man, I love that thing. So, so back to what you were talking about my warm up routine is I'll do the gun, I'll do the roller, and then and I almost always do the sew right. Just even if it's just real quick to get get my so as loosened up. Yeah, yeah. So when I get done using my tools. Um, then I'll then I'll go into my warm up, which I'll start with a joint warm up, which is just getting you know getting my joints, which could be just like body twists and circling my arms, hip twists. Just getting the joints
0: moving. Getting the, the like joints through movement. the full range of motion.
2: Getting get the joints first, right? Okay. And, and then from there, then I'll go into like my movement, which which it's not, it's it. I guess you could call it dynamic movement, but it's stuff I'll do on the ground to get that hip or the core area, all those things. Things warmed up. Stuff and
0: like a like a
2: scorpion, a... Um, iron yeah. cross. I'll do some cobras. Like yeah, okay. you know, because um, I don't know if I told you this, but a few years back I got certified of Janaska Natural, which is yeah, you did mention yeah, Alberto yeah. Romano. You know, all yeah. the crazy stuff Hicks on and all those jujitsu guys do. And I and I heard about that. I was reading Jiu-Jitsu Academy by Saul Ribeiro, right? I don't know if I said jujitsu university. Jujitsu university. A, I've got a copy of it actually. Yeah. 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 So yeah. if you look yeah. in there, it has Janaska Natural, and I started looking into it. And just by chance, Alvaro Romano was down in San Diego holding a certification course and it was like 1500 bucks. I was like, oh my gosh. But... I'm like I gotta do this man because I yeah. need to be able to move and I went down there and it turned out to be me and one other guy and so it was me another guy and Alvaro Romano for three days
0: pride, pro- shit. Like pride he usually bread. has
2: hundreds it was just a last minute deal he did it down in Fabio Santos' school so it was just us three in that school for three days it was awesome Wow. so a lot of stuff I do in my warm up was is gymnastic stuff I've, I've incorporated a lot of other stuff too some animal flow movements but I, I have a routine to get my hips loose and how long depends on how tight I am and, and then and from there, then I might do a few more dynamic stuff, some more movement stuff. Uh, again, gymnastic stuff, animal flow stuff. Um, it could be more dynamic scorpion-type stuff. It yep. could be some sit-throughs. Um, so I- I'm making what are sure... You,
0: what are you thinking about when you... Obviously, you've got these exercises and you've picked them for good reasons. But what you, um, The reason I ask this is what I started doing when I'm warming up a jiu-jitsu class is I'll do five minutes of just movement-type warm-ups. Mm-hmm. Um, And then I'll go into some specific drills just to get the body body uh, to get the body moving. But what I try to tell people is, look, you see me doing this movement, but there's a whole set of things I'm thinking about when I'm doing this movement. My core, my core is engaged. My rib cage is down. My shoulder blades are down and back. I'm not shrugging the shoulders. You know, I'm really almost, um, you know. You don't want to get too airy fairy. Almost feeling <laughs> the ground with your hands. Sure. You're not just going through the motions. Are there certain things that you're thinking about when you go through the doing these exercises?
2: Yeah, no, no, I, I, absolutely. That's a that's a real good point. Initially, it's it's just to get. Everything warmed up in, yeah. the, in that midsection area that core area yeah. for sure um, so it's getting that everything loose but the other part of it warming up is you're warming up for what you're gonna do you know when you're on jujitsu why,
0: why are you doing it
2: why you're why you're doing it too yeah. and, and I break it down so the 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 strength systems the, the three systems I train whether it's with kettlebells or, or my movement system is strength explosive and static you know and, and those are the okay. basic systems you use as, as an athlete you know, and it's and so I try to warm those things up too. Can you
0: explain what you mean sure. by strength, explosive, and so static? so
2: if you're thinking probably thinking about lifting weights would be the easiest. So a strength movement would be something a slower movement like they call it. Pavel calls it a grind, like a press or a pull up or any kind of strength movement like two
0: to three seconds up, two to three seconds down, yep. slow up. cadence,
2: slow cadence. Um, and your focus during that is tension. To me, strength—we we, we could talk about that for a while—but strength isn't what the weight it is. It's the tension that your body is creating, and the weight you're actually using is just a tool. So that's how I think of strength—is okay. creating that tension, you know. And whether it's with the kettlebell or on the mat, there's there's a strength component, you know, where, you know, everything kind of begins off of strength. You can't be explosive without strength. Um, so the the The, the, person... strong, the
0: stronger athletes typically are the fastest and most explosive. Absolutely, but, yeah. yep. There's, a, there's not always, but there's a correlation.
2: Yeah, big correlation. Yeah. There's not very many explosive athletes that aren't strong. And we're not talking about strength. And I know you're not ta- like, I can squat 500 pounds. Doesn't mean you're, it's not the kind of strength we're talking about. We're talking, I look at this as, as straight, strict tension. tension. How much tension can you create? The more tension you create, the more explosive you can be. And even when I'm teaching my athletes that, I, I just tell them, I, I just make it easy because as I'm teaching them explosive stuff, what we're going to get into next, that aspect of tension and strength, if you don't have that, you're not going to be able to be explosive. And I just tell them, I said, if we're doing a clean, Olympic lift clean, we're Doing off a a mattress or a hard ground, What are you going to be strong? What, what's going to be more explosive? They're like the hard ground, exactly. Oh, but think of the hard ground as your body. That's a great
0: analogy. I was, I, I talk about the you know the the um, transfer in force through your body, and I do I show a lot of exercises um, and why certain certain exercises apply to jujitsu, and I use an arm drag as an example. And the arm drag would be, <clears throat> you know, your ability to transfer force. Mm-hmm from your planted foot through your body, rotating it, mm-hmm. rotating your body and apply it into your opponent. And I could never think of an an analogy that explains it so clearly. But when you say, where would you how would you jump higher or further off a mattress or the solid ground?
2: Yeah. That's, it's that tension. I love that. And and then relating that that ground is not now it's not just your ground, it's your body. And if my body's not tight, if it's not if there's not tension created, my my power or my speed of that movement is it's going to lost. be less the more tension I have the more power I'm going to be able to create and that aspect is it, so
0: when ahead. we when we say your more power I suppose your power output if you're you're measuring it based on uh, you know the for, the speed and the force that you're developing right. yes the power output is going to be higher but is it that well, maybe it's a combination of, the, of these two things but let's say um, you know a, tri- a triple extension mm-hmm. um, so for people don't know a triple extension is ex- extending through the ankle knee and the hip um, and let's say you're doing a clean of some sort. Now, is it the fact that you create more? Well, you do create more power because you you can measure it in a certain way. But is it you create more power with your lower body, or the the power you do create is just better transferred through the body into the object? And maybe maybe we don't even need to answer that. Maybe it's a completely pointless question. But do you have no, the point you're trying to make.
2: Yeah, I, I think so. I think so. I, I, I like. Developing power, mm-hmm. the tension your body creates. Are you thinking through your legs, or are you are you thinking?
0: I'm trying to make to make it read to make it really simple, right? Are right. you when you create tension in your th- through the core, right, right. T- to transfer the body f- the power from the lower body through the upper body into mm-hmm. whatever object you're moving? Are you generating more force with the lower body when you create tension, or are you just better able to transfer that force that is generated through your legs? through through the body into the object so let's say you mm-hmm. could let's say you could measure the force um you know based on maybe the contractor you know the some, some kind of ECG generally can have the ECG Isn't that's, that's the wrong term but like, you generally do um, they're a test I'm not a scientist right, so I can not remember <laughs> these fucking words but there are certain certain devices you can use to yeah make,
2: measure the speed of the bar and, and not so much the
0: speed of the bar but the contractile force of the muscle hmm. so imagine you could measure the contractile force of the muscle are the legs generating more force or are we just better able to transfer that force through the body into the, body. the object
2: I mean you're, you, you have a lot more muscle mass so I just off the top of my head, I've never broken it down like that. Which is, it's a great question to think about. I mean, more it muscle mass. Po- it could be. could
0: po- be. It could be a point you know, question, though. This I, I, is. I guess. Harder.
2: Yeah, I, you know, I'm not sure the exact right answer. I just, like I said, I mean, you got more muscle mass in the legs than your upper body yeah. generally. So, so you would think yes, the answer would be yes. But how I teach it, how I teach it to my to my athletes though, is is when you're doing a triple extension yeah. or explosion, uh, your feet are the most important. Your feet got to be solid. Mm-hmm. You know, a- absolutely. That's where it starts from but it's, it's your whole body moving that weight. You know, yes, the it's transferring up for sure, and that transfer of power and force is really important, especially when you're doing movement, but a lift like that, I, I teach them whole body tension, and we want the body to contract as a unit. You know, how are we gonna create most power? Everything, like some guys when they do Olympic lifting, um, they'll start with their feet, and then they'll kind of do their hips, and then they'll kind of shrug at the end. Like when I teach it, it's, it's one moment, it's one movement. I get well, them in their start position. I'm like, go right now. You know. Well, what
0: exercises would you do to teach someone that?
2: That that motion. Yeah. I mean, the clean would be a great. I have a bunch of different techniques. But left. before
0: you put them on the, would you do? Would you use anything before you put them into a clean? Let's say they've done a general preparation phase right. of you know they've done they've trained you know maybe some squatting, some deadlifting, mm-hmm. et cetera. different exercises over a four-week period, let's right. say, but then you're teaching them how to do, how to do the clean or another exercise. Yeah. Are there particular exercises that you use before that to try to teach them to, to recruit the entire body in that way?
2: I mean, you could use, obviously the kettlebell would be a great way, like okay. when I get really young athletes just teach them the swing, which is, it's the same angle, it's the same muscle contraction, just yeah. the Olympic lift is quicker, but it's the same motion for sure. It just locks the extension of yeah. the foot. I don't have to have a kettlebell to teach, I've been teaching Olympic lifts for so long now. Yeah. I mean, I definitely have a method for doing it and I could teach a, you know, if a five-year-old could listen. I used to have a, a five-year-old kid, right, he was literally five years old and he wanted to lift so bad. And he would be in there, so I taught him how to Olympic lift with the PVC pipe. And he was literally my demonstrator. Like, so I'd be like, all right, we're gonna do snatch, you know, and he'd do a snatch, he'd hold it like bottom, you know, butt, butt the calves, locked over his head, perfect technique. I'm like, look at his eyes, look at his face, he's pulling the ball up. I'd teach him all the techniques, and he was awesome. So. You could teach wow. that to anyone. You know, really, it's just if someone can listen and, the, and they can focus to, to what you're telling them. But you know, I, I would teach them that motion. You know, obviously the kettlebell, you know, swing is a great way to do it. Yeah. And then yeah. you just, you know, then you put a bar in their hand. You're like, all right, same angle as when you're in the when the when you're swinging it back. That's the same angle you start your Olympic list with. And you can start them with hanging a lot easier. So I usually start them in the hang position, which is the bar above their knee, so they're not going. They're pulling it off the ground. So it's halfway between the
0: so knee, yeah, halfway the, between actually, the knee and the, the waist.
2: It, it's just above the knee. Oh, just above just the knee. Just above okay. the knee, and that—that's the point of triple extension, you know. And that—that's the same angle you create when you're doing a swing properly in the kettlebells. Um, you're swinging it between your legs. You're at that same angle as you start your clean from. So yeah. if I teach them swing, it's easy to teach them the Olympic lift. But if I'm just teaching them straight cleans from that then you know i'll stand them up i'll make sure the feet are right um, i'll get them in the right angle and i have a few different techniques for doing that for some guys i'll just tell them all right bend your knees don't bend your knees anymore push your butt back you know, and, they, and they get it. And they go right there. Yeah. Or, or I'll go up to them, and this is another technique I use a lot, especially with athletes, is I'll go up to them, and I'll walk towards them. I say, all right, and I'm walking towards you, tackle me, and then freeze. And I'll walk towards them, and the, and the hips will go back naturally because it's a natural mo- motion. Yeah. Or I'll tell, them, I like, I'll tell them, okay, I want you to, to jump, but I want you to just, just swing your arms back like you're going to jump and freeze to the bottom, and they'll do it. No, and that's I, a good one. And I, and I have them freeze, and I said, see that angle right there? And if I'm teaching a swing, I'm like, all right, put your hands between your legs, all right? Now what I want you to do is flex your legs, your butt, everything at the same time. And they'll come up straight. And I'll say, okay, don't hyperextend. Just make sure everything's tight. I'll punch their stomachs. Make sure everything's tight. And then yeah. I'll go through that process with them too. So I'll do that. And then really depending on the athlete that, that I'm teaching. If they're holding the bar and they're just like serious tardville, <laughs> you know, if they're having some issues, I'll, I'll go to the, the, the generic way of doing it. You can it, bring it back down a few steps. I, I can bring it back down a few steps. But, you know, a lot of good athletes, man, you can just tell them. And that's always great to train those guys. Yeah. Tell them what to do and they get it. And, yeah. So, so there's different ways I'll teach it, but um, I think the the answer your question, like, and I stress this a lot, is like we're trying to contract everything in the clean, without a doubt. And I think that's why kettlebells is so great with Olympic lifting because you're teaching them that angle and you're not really worrying about the upper body, you're just mainly worrying about the legs because you know, arms relax. relaxed. We're not doing it the American style above our head. I don't even teach that because I, I feel it messes people up from doing getting the true benefits of a swing. Not that it's bad, I don't think it's bad at all. Just just I'm so focused on developing that power with my guys you have, that I don't yeah, teach the, yeah. the one above the head. You if know?
0: you want to do any overhead stuff, then start looking at like the, the, the snatch, right? And yeah, those, those yeah. Kind of, those kind of exercises. Absolutely. Um, but I want to bring this, oh, shit, man, we can go in so many directions. And I know people, people like the idea of stuff that's good for kind of maintenance. And we were talking about your morning routine, and we ran off on a tangent. So we talked about the strength, sorry. explosiveness, yeah. and static. So tell me how, that, how you bring that in. I, I can guess. But mm-hmm. tell me how you bring that into your morning routine.
2: Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, we, we went off on the whole no, strength perfect. aspect. It's perfect. Um, but it but warming up that whole preparatory phase before I get to the gym is we, we start off I mean, on so straight,
0: before, before you go to the gym before, before jiu jitsu training you before jiu jitsu training okay so,
2: I, so between 8 and like 9.15 this is when I'm doing this stuff okay. at home um, so I've I, I, I've done you know all my tools my gun and so right
1: yeah
2: Uh, I've warmed up my joints I've done the stuff on the ground so I got like a general movement warm up so I got my core warmed up and then I do some more dynamic stuff how long I spend on that really kind of depends on just basically how I'm feeling you know is is this Monday where I'm going to have Lawrence and Tino just smashing my face (laughs) I better warm up a lot yeah for sure um so, so I'll go into some more dynamic type movement stuff from either Janaska or animal flow. I'll put some stuff together which incorporates, again, that those three those three strength systems, the strength, and I just uh, you know call it that, so that that makes sense. You know, the strength, the explosive, and the static because those are the three things we use in jujitsu. Mm-hmm. So I'll, I'll try to warm up those systems through my movements because, and that's the whole thing about like it, it It's it's a, a yoga, Pilates, and jiu-jitsu movements in a sense in that. There you go. You got Janaska and and doing that. And just like jujitsu, like sometimes you move fast. So I'll move fast and then I'll move slow, like a strength movement. And then sometimes I'll hold a position like stack, all the things that we do in jujitsu. Then on on top of that, the movement stuff is from multiple ranges uh, of how our body can move. Basically is the areas that I'm trying to hit them, you know? and, And so the, how I connect my strength system and my movement system is that concept of those three systems mm. and being strong, being explosive, and being able to hold the position from any position. Yeah. You know, so I, I try to incorporate that my overall thing for jujitsus or fighters or whoever I might be training in myself. Um, those are all. that's that's my system in a sense or, or my thought process of how I'm mm. trying to train my body so I can keep training, so I can hang, <laughs> not get killed by you guys or young guys like all those crazy purple belts we got at our gym that are yeah. just killers, right? Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. Um, so that, that's... Well, you're, you're, you're a crazy killer. <laughs> I, but you're, just, you're just a little older. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, who started Jiu-Jitsu a long time, before these guys were born. How funny is that, right? For some
0: of them, yeah. Yeah. For some Most of them, we, yeah. 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 Yeah, quite a lot of them. Yep. <laughs> oh, that, that, is, that is crazy. So, God. But yeah, because yeah, 24, because Tino, right? Tino started in like 93,
2: 94. Did he start that long ago? I know yeah. he's been doing it like 20 years. 20, so, like okay.
0: 25 years. And t- like yeah. he's, But he's been consistent for 23, yes. 24 yes. years or however long it is. That's, yeah. So he's a killer. Um, um,
2: yeah. Oh, yeah.
0: So this, this, this routine that you do then, yes. how, how intense is it?
2: it's not it's not intense like I'm not intense emotionally or mentally uh, I'm chilling sometimes I'm listening to podcasts but as far as physically speaking how intense it is yeah uh, I mean I'm not breathing hard yeah okay I'm not breathing hard I'm not sweating I mean unless it starts getting summertime and I'm down in my garage in the mat maybe I will a little it's 100 bit 100 degrees out yeah, yeah. just walking down there I might start sweating yeah um, but it's not super intense and it's slow and I'm not in a hurry I'm just kind of just getting my body going um, I might have to increase it if I'm in a hurry for some reason. Yeah. You know, depending yeah. on what it is or if I got an early morning training session and and I, I've been doing that a lot lately. Um, you know, Jeff, Jeff Stiff, one of the new, new dudes who just joined our gym. Oh, yeah. Bald dude. But, yeah. it, you know, he's been coming over and we've been doing a lot of drilling in the morning. Okay. Um, But so I'm like, man, I got to get up even earlier. I got to get my warm-up going and get myself prepped. I, I warm up for our warm-up, you know, because I know I got to do a lot more um, do you do stuff. that? Do you do that
0: every day? Every day. Every day. Every day. Yeah. And
2: you know, back you know, back before I joined Carlson, the times I'd get hurt were the t- days when I would get busy and I wouldn't warm up. Mm. So I just said, I'm not going to do that. I did it too many times. I think I tore my QL probably three or four times. Oh, wow,
0: shit, that's gonna hurt.
2: And those suck. Yeah, those suck when you tear those because you can't do anything. You know anything.
0: And, and, the, and the QL of people, I think people are going to know what the QL is, but if, if you if you don't know, the QL is a muscle that. I suppose you could think of it almost as the opposite to where the psoas is right because it, yeah, run, it runs it sounds, from on top yeah. on top of um i don't know i, I forget the exact attachment but roughly from the, the the back of the hip up to i think the the first or second rib
2: yeah it's yeah. like that lumbar lower back you put yeah. your knuckles in your lower back and those muscles that are it's just back, like it's like it's, yeah.
0: yeah it's yeah it's like about an inch or two away from kind of vertebrae right yeah it's either side yeah
2: yeah, and you go, know the TheraGuns therag- suck. The has been great. I think it's been like when I first got it, I felt it like breaking up the scar tissue. Yeah, because I like I said, I tore it so many times that uh, I was always really um, cautious of that. You know, yeah. I'm conscious of that, I should say, of warming that thing up right. And I just said, and I mean, Courtney's like, warm up. Don't train if you don't warm up. I'm like, man, I want to train. It's like, and if I don't have time, then I won't. I won't train. For what, for no matter what, you know, because I don't want to... And since I've had that and I've done that warm-up, I haven't had any, anything that's put me out with my lower back. <laughs> I'm mm-hmm. not talking about my knees and my elbows, but um, as far as my lower back, uh, I haven't had anything that's taken me off the mat for any, any length of time. I mean, tightness, tension, but like we said, that's just jiu-jitsu. <laughs>
0: just day-to-day stuff. Just... So, yeah, the, stand, the standard stuff, right? You know, it's nothing... Uh, you know, uh, Nothing is going to protect you from, from injury 100% yeah. apart from doing nothing as in don't do anything and you're <laughs> yeah, to me. Exactly. just sit in your ass all day um and then when you finally do move you're going to be fucked but you know nothing is going to p- protect you 100 percent. but that's that's a big time investment right it's yes. a big do, do you think people ah um could get a very similar benefit from doing a routine like that that was maybe shortened down to you know 15 20 minutes each, absolutely. Each
2: morning. Yeah. No. I, I, absolutely. Yeah. You could definitely shorten that down. And like I, I'm not like you asked me the intensity. I'm not like I'm I'm not, not like going through it super super fast either. I'm just kind of doing it. And I might you know yeah get some to drink. And I'm not pushing myself super hard because I don't want to tire myself out mentally as well as physically. I'm just trying to get my body prepped for jujitsu. So it doesn't
0: really feel like a workout. Then it's more no. just like just very flowy, very just forget, almost. A much more advanced version of people that get up from a nap and just do a stretch. Yeah. You, oh, you do that kind of thing, right? It's an advanced version of that. You get into you yes. get into the point where okay, my body feels good now.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, a- absolutely. Because I have had to hurry it up before, like you know, and I have done it in a shorter period of time, and yeah. that's my standard. Have I ever done it shorter and trained? Yes, I have. You know, but I need the. elite. I got to go through getting the joints warmed up, um, and even like my like the gun and stuff, like. I'll at least hit the things that are that are generally tight. I'll at least hit my hips. I'll hit that QL area. I'll yep. hit my hip flexors and maybe a little bit of my hamstrings at the very least. Yep. I'll, I'll do that and then I'll get in my joint stuff. Go kind of go kind of quick. Sometimes I'll combine my joint stuff with some dynamic stretches. Maybe I'll do some lunges and twists or some lateral lunges, stuff like that. Mm. And then I'll get down on the ground. I'll go through that system and I'll and I'll, and I'll just go a little bit quicker. Um, to get that stuff in. but if I'm injured or hurt then I just if I don't have time, I won't train. But yeah, to answer your question absolutely you can do it a lot shorter than that for yeah. sure. But I like that time too because I'm you know like I said, I usually listen to a podcast at that point um it's usually yeah. something on health you know yeah. i'll listen to you but yeah. um, I'll, I'll do that as, as i'm doing it so it's, it's a relaxation time too you know i'm yeah. not getting all crazy and anything like that so so yeah you could you could definitely speed that up and get it done in 20 minutes or something but for you it's
0: but for you it's not about rushing through it right so yeah. do, you, do you do you um what attention do you place on the breathing when you're doing these exercises,
2: yeah, a, a lot, a lot for sure. You know, I'm, I'm always breathing, trying to get that deep breathing. Doing, doing a lot of nose breathing. Yeah, um, I will end my, and I didn't even touch on. it, I'm glad you brought that up, but I'll we'll end it with the with the breathing I learned from Alvaro Romano. Just you know, the, the deep the belly fire, breathing.
0: fire fire breath. Is that what they call it? Is one of the examples? I think. Are you, are you referring to the stuff that Hickson is doing when he went in the short yes. documentary? Yeah. Okay.
2: Yes. Yes. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I don't do the, the sucking my belly in as much as I should. I mean, I learned that from Alvaro, yeah. you know, um, for sure. And, and it's definitely beneficial stuff, right? And you see Kron doing it as well, which is awesome stuff. Yeah. Um, but, I'll, but I'll do the, at least the, the deep one and expanding my, my diaphragm, getting really deep. And then I'll do the quick ones for sure, like the quick ones that you see Hickson doing where you're blowing in and out really quick just to get get, get that system moving um, and just training those muscles. And without a doubt, that helps me on the mat I'm always thinking about breathing on the mat. Yeah. No matter what I'm doing, and I always tell people because we hear them, right? You know, I think you're like the only guy I don't hear breathing. And when we hear guys breathing, what do we do? It's like, yeah, they're mine now. Yeah. <laughs> so you know, a, mouth,
0: a lot of mouth, a lot of mouth breathing. A lot of mouth breathing. A lot right? of mouth breathing and you shallow can, breathing. Big yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, a lot of shallow breathing. Yeah, yeah, you you're you're fairly chilled when I when I put you in a bad spot, right? Um, and there's other people that are like that as well, but I think it doesn't come naturally right. to a, to a lot of people. Yeah.
2: And you got to train that. And yeah. I'll train my breathing when I'm strength training too, especially mm-hmm. when I'm doing my isometric stuff. I don't know, you know, like I'll teach it and I'll do it myself. Is when I'm doing my isometric hold, just, you know, wall sit or whatever I'm doing, squeezing a bag, it's always as much tension as I can create, breathe normal. This is exactly how I teach it. Hard as I can, breathe normal. And I apply that when I'm on the mat. When I'm holding someone in a position, I, you know, sometimes I got, especially if it's like you or someone that's really strong, I got to hold as hard as I can, but I know I can't. <clears throat> I hold my breath. I'm gonna lose my strength. Yeah, so it's always hard as I can breathe normal, and that for me, I just keep it simple. Belly breathing, think of my belly button. You know, breathe deep, mm. breathe deep, and I don't really overcomplicate it. And just by doing that, I get more of a full breath okay. and control it. So that that's kind of how I use it on the mat when I'm going um, a lot, and it, it's helped me. And like I said, r- rarely do I find myself breathing. Sometimes, and if I do, I'm like mad at myself. I'm like, why am I breathing? I'm breathing hard. Except again, if I'm going with somebody you know, like yourself, where I got to use, I got to push my limit, you know, and that's something that I'm sure we're going to talk about. And I'll tell you this, like, when I heard your podcast, like I liked you from the gym and I loved rolling with you, but I listened to your podcast and you talked about strength, the aspect of strength and conditioning. And you're like one of the few people I've ever heard understood how they relate with each other. Because especially the jujitsu and fighters, like, what well, I gotta be strong, I just have to have cardio and they do circuits, which are you know, whatever. Most of them are just stupid. It's just to make them sweaty and hot and throw up, which is really hard. How hard is that to do to make someone throw up, right? You know, so how's it gonna translate and how does strength correlate to the mats? Well, if you're stronger than a guy and we're doing the same thing and I'm stronger than you, then I'm going to use a lot less energy and my gas tank is going to be, I'm going to have a lot more fuel in that tank. And that's a huge concept. It's just, it's its like we teach guys, like these guys are like really strong. They're holding really tight. It's like, why are you doing that? Just use what you need to use. don't yeah, me too. You don't need to. So, so the stronger we are, the stronger we are than people. Then we're doing the same thing. My, my gas tank is, it's, it's, it, it. I still have fuel in that tank. Yeah. You know, you're going super hard. Well, I'm not going as hard because I'm so much stronger than you, and I can do the same thing and beat you to that position using sixty percent while you're using hundred percent. When we move, well, I'm using sixty percent. You're still using hundred percent. You're going to be tired soon. You know. So that concept. You can of feed it. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You could feel that.
0: And I always, I always make the point, right? When I'm talking, whenever this comes up on the podcast, I always make the point that, and you're not saying this, I know you're not saying this, but I want to say it anyway, is that technique beats everything in Jiu Jitsu. Technique is always everything. But if you don't also do strength and conditioning on top of that, one, I think you're at some point going to, not strength and conditioning, physical optimization, physical maintenance, whether it's yoga, whether, whatever the case may be, um, you're probably going to end up with imbalances <laughs> over time um you will naturally and jiu-jitsu is a very imbalanced sport Basically, we fight on one side or the other right. but i was coming to making a point that i've f- I what, what i was going to say that's that, that was it if there is no way you're you are maximizing your physical potential and your athletic potential if you don't do strength and conditioning on top of on top of jiu-jitsu yes there are examples plenty of examples of Marcelo Garcia right it's, it's the person that people always talk about he's Marcelo Garcia right. but would he have been that much better had he been had he done um, more str- I don't think he did any strength in conditioning is the rumor I don't know too much right? I, don't,
2: but, I don't know about that if he has or not
0: that's the rumor the rumor that is he only, he only grapples and you know would he be able to hang now in you know some of the tournaments today the Marcelo Garcia of yesteryear could he hang today um where where people are now smart with you know strength and conditioning i think a lot more than they were maybe a decade decade ago i'm not saying he wouldn't but you know he's Marcelo Garcia right but um it's you're leaving a lot if i think if you don't compete and you're not a competitive person maintenance right you're a perfect example i've used you as an example you know several times which is why i called you the famous the famous when we started (laughs) this podcast if you if you look after if you look after your body you're you're more likely to get more out of it for a long for longer term and what do we want to get out of jujitsu? It's probably the most mat time that we possibly can we all love it and we want to spend the most time on there as possible but if you're a competitor there's no way you're going to reach your athletic potential if you don't do supplemental training
2: Absolutely. Yeah, you know, Europe, I agree with you 100%. For sure, it's technique first, uh, you know, big time. When, you know, when I started at Carlson Gracie, it, it was... It, it was uh, and this is a great example of what you're saying when did you
0: when did you start was it might have been about the same time I about three
2: years ago yeah so very about, similar yeah you know, I was at Check Mat for three and a half years which was great um, yeah uh, Pancho you know Carlo Feliciano was my coach we had a yeah. good time there so I have a lot of good friends I, I'm good with all those guys it was great um, but anyways when, when I got over to Carlson Gracie I know one of the things that they talked to me about a lot was just being technique. Like, who was I think it was Sean, Sean Reese. He sent me a message like, hey, you do pretty good, you know, but you just got sloppy technique. Tino said the same thing to me. You know, you got to be a little bit more disciplined. I, I relied too much on my strength and speed. Yep. You know, i not like I wanted to do that. I wanted to be good at Jujitsu. you know, but you kind of fall back on what you have, right? Yeah. So I really thought about that, and I know over the last – it was – Couple years into it, you know, guys like, Man, you've been lifting, you're getting a lot stronger. I'm like, No, I'm not getting stronger. I'm just really, my focus changed a lot. My strength, uh, my volume on strength training really decreased a lot. I mean, I still was lifting regularly. In the last three years? A lot, yes. As far as the amount of volume I'm doing, it's considerably less, and I use less weight big time. You know, I'm still always about tension and strength, but what weight I'm using. It isn't what I was using before. Do
0: you focus more on speed of the bar versus the the overall load? Do you? Do you
2: well, I, I focus on the tension and yeah. I focus on speed. I don't actually do a lot of Olympic lifting now. I do most of my explosive stuff with kettlebells. Okay, for for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, speed of the kettlebell. Speed of the kettlebell. Absolutely. I'll do some pulls with the bar, but I don't do a lot of catches. Okay. With it. But the, the point was, is is over the last few years, I really focused on my technique. I really wanted to get the little details so much better, and a lot of people kept saying, man, you're getting stronger, you're getting stronger. I'm like, no, I'm not getting stronger, I'm using less weight, but my technique was getting better. So more to your point of t- strength doesn't beat technique, for sure, but as your technique gets better, now you can utilize your strength much, much better. You know, and that's the thing where utilizing
0: feel, it at the right time. At
2: the right time. Now I'm at the right angle, in the right position, and you know, jujitsu is a game of inches. You know, yeah. and I could get away with being off a couple of inches because I was pretty strong, but not against guys like you and high level guys. You know, now n- now as I'm getting closer, I'm not off as many inches, still an inch or two, <laughs> um, for <laughs> sure. Then it then it might feel to other people like I'm getting stronger. I, a lot of people talk about my top pressure has gotten a lot better. Like my buddy Jeff. Yeah. Know, we trained together a lot at, at um, Checkmat. We've been yeah. friends for a long time. And yeah. he was saying, man, you're so much better on top. And I'm not stronger. I'm not necessarily that much bigger, a little bit weight-wise. But it's really just a technique and pressure along with like what we talked about, the strength aspect of it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's that. Because if, if you try to put good head pressure on someone, you can be a really strong guy. So let's say from side control or half guard, you can be a very, very strong guy. Um and you know a lot of it is pulling with pulling with your arm and, and you know, pulling the head into the, into the pulling someone's head into your shoulder, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but it doesn't matter how strong you are if you haven't got the right placement of your hand, the right angle of your body, the right placement of the shoulder. More, most of it is a lean. The pull is actually like you know ten percent of it. Um, and we, I was. No, I'm gonna go on I t- I won't go on that tangent. We will go go, go, go but what what were we talking about
2: before? <laughs> man, we get on some tangents, right?
0: <laughs> yeah.
2: Oh man, what 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 were we talking about? Like like maybe how I prep. For jujitsu and all yeah, the systems
1: so
0: that that I we use, ask, and then we we're would, talking
2: about strength and the aspect of strength and conditioning and how yes. it applies to the mat and does you know technique supersede strength. And, so you talked
0: you know, about how your training had changed, right? How your because yes. so you, the the morning stuff, let's take that. I would call that as movement, movement, mobility, mm-hmm. right? Yes, Rather right. than strength and power work per, per se. Correct. Um, even though it has some application. Mm-hmm. So you said that your training then your um, you know, I hate the term strength and conditioning; it's so narrow. I know. But the traditional. Strength, power, um, you know, de- development work—that's changed a lot. You're, so, talk a little bit about what you actually do, what you focus on, a little bit about the, the isometric stuff as well. It'll be quite interesting.
2: Sure, sure, a- a- absolutely. So, you know, again, it goes back to those three strength systems: strength, yeah. explosion, and isometrics. So, those those elements are within my workout always. And, and I and I teach people too is understand like the mo- whatever movement you're doing. If you're doing a clean press. Right? The, all three of those elements are in there, and if you think about that in your head as you're doing the movement, you're going to be a lot more effective. Mm. So you know you, you have a strength element. You know it's it, it the press. You have an explosive on the clean, and then you have an isometric when the rack position, when you clean that kettlebell up and you're holding in that position by your shoulder. Yeah. for a split second it might not be a long time but for a split second you're holding it so what is that that's isometric so as I'm doing all with, at the top at the top
0: of the press, uh, at the
2: top too yeah a- absolutely absolutely yeah. and teaching the, how do you do that and how do you create that tension like the, the the coaching cues I use when the press is overhead I tell them squeeze your butt and make sure your traps tight obviously there's a lot more to it but that's just a coaching cue because if you I, I I've taught it where if you keep your glutes tight then it's going to keep your whole core tight and if you keep your trap tight it's going to keep your shoulder region tight you know do you, you have give, give
0: them at a given cue with the in regards to the rib positioning, rib cage positioning.
2: No, like like what what would you
0: Well, I, I found I've only really started focusing on this on the last kind of six months or so. But I've noticed what a lot of people do in a lot of movements is hyperextend through the lower back. Yes. So, so, they, so they so they so they I talk about having two two planes. Almost which, like a pelvic tilt. You're talking, yeah, yeah, like yeah. a pelvic tilt, and it's particularly with a lot of people. And I count myself as one press, of these. Yeah. When you've got poor poor thoracic yeah, mobility, mm-hmm. I see it a lot of people doing deadlifts. A lot of people doing swings as well, right? um but that's one of the things that I talk about in a lot of when I'm when I'm working with people or a lot of the videos that I do is the rip keep squeezing the gluten ribcage ribcage down pil- tilting the pelvis up so I was wondering if you focus on any of those cues. not
2: not in that sense but yes I, I I do definitely coach that and cue that and see that a ton yeah you know so I, I like that I want to hear more about how you, how you teach that because you know that is a big thing with a lot of people you know so so what I'll do is is more like on the swing. We're, we're teaching that tension at the end of a swing. Yeah, That, that, that tension, and, I, and I'll draw a picture of the guys, I'll say, okay, you got your waist, and I'll make a, with my hand, I know it's hard to see, listening to it, like around your waist, your hands are out, this is your waist, okay, and then, then you got your glutes and you got your legs and, and, your, and your quads, your hamstrings and everything else. So at the end of the swing, I'll say, you want to make that smaller. We're not flexing our abs like we're in bodybuilding. We're making it smaller and we're creating tension. And at the same time, we're flexing mm-hmm. our glutes. And then, and then the whole thing—the whole box—you probably heard that, like the whole box method. You want the Some side, Pilates. yeah, yeah. So well, Pilates talk about the know, box, but maybe yeah, in different contexts. Like the whole kegel muscle things, like yeah. you're stopping your pee. So if you can do all those things at the same time, is how you want to create that maximum tension in your core. Now, the, what we're talking about when the press is overhead and they're getting that pelvic tilt, I'll tell mm. them that's the same. What the tension you want in in your core is at the end of a swing. One uh,
0: one, one of the th- just so just to one of the best analogies I heard. I call it crushing the canister and try to think about making your core like a steel drum mm-hmm. almost. And it's like you but you're trying to crush it crush yeah, into, the, into the steel yeah, yeah, drum. That's good. Yeah, that's really good. Though so the analogy that I got given that I I still I still think about and I like a lot is if you think of um, a plastic a plastic water bottle, mm-hmm. empty plastic water bottle. And you take and you take the top off, like you know, you know, one of the disposable bottles you right. buy in the store, right? And if you take the top off and you squeeze it, all the air comes out. Mm-hmm. But if you put the cap on and you squeeze it, it's tight. So that that's what you're thinking about in terms mm-hmm. of the not the not the diaphragm. Well, I suppose it would be the diaphragm, Part of the, it, di- yeah. the diaphragm and the, and the pelvic floor. And mm-hmm. Mike, Michael Stromness is the guy's name, or Doctor Michael Stromness. He came on the podcast uh, a few months ago. That's one of the things that he he oh, talked I'm, about with I'm me and, and taught me. Yeah. Uh, you get some really good stuff as well some very very good stuff
2: yeah that, that'd be good i mean and along that like one of the things that i'll do too is as uh, uh, i do a lot of focus on the belly button that's an easy one that's an easy cue like get okay. your belly button in keep it tight and, and yeah, sometimes yeah, yeah. that will help them from yeah. sticking there doing that pelvic tilt yeah or i just tell them they look like a woman no offense to women but, <laughs> you know, but you know but yeah when i when i got certified by by uh, by Pavel, or not Pavel, but it was actually it was Dragon Door back then before yeah. Strong First, and uh, there was this female that was just pelvic tilt. She was just shooting her hips out and. Man, he really bashed her. Really? <laughs> I felt bad for her. He's like, "What are you doing?" He's like, "Humping the air." <laughs> I'm like, "Yeah." So, so back then is when I when I started looking at that, and you know, yeah. the, the issues with a pelvic tilt and hyperextending, and and, you know, and I'll give him the diagram. and say, "You know, again, like, like these are your vertebrae. You hyperextend, you're gonna be pushing pushing on that disc, and it's not good." Like when people do deadlifts, I see that all the time, and people are touching deadlifts, and they're just just yanking back and hyperextension, and there's no right. tension in their in the front I'm like oh my, my, my gosh ne-
0: my nephew he's 17 and he's just started like an Instagram page and there's just a bunch of stuff him like, working out and he's getting into lifting heavy and he's he can't be more than about 180, 190. And he was deadlifting like 355 the other day. So it's was like, for a 17-year-old boy, it's, it's, yeah. it's a lot... It's a it's a, a, yeah. it, a, a, a lot... You know, it's not up there record-breaking, but it's a lot of weight that you can fuck yourself up with. Yeah. And and his hyper-extensions with the back and his head was coming up was just like <laughs> real bad. So I actually linked him to... I actually linked to Michael Stromness's stuff. Enlightened oh, yeah. Savages is his handle. I said, look... Just subtly said, go check this stuff out because you could fuck yourself up. And yeah. I... I um. The example I give, and I do this when I'm teaching jujitsu actually as well, is put someone in a wrestler stance and I ask them to hyperextend their neck and hyperextend their back. Because we're all often taught that in jiu-jitsu and particularly in the clothes guards, they look up in the ceiling. And you look up at the ceiling, it's an easy cue to maintain your posture. But actually, if you hyperextend through the, through the back of the neck and the back of the spine and you're in a wrestler stance and I pull you on your back of your head... You come forward much, much more easily than if I say tilt your pelvis up towards like like you're trying. To, I always say like you're trying to swing your balls in the air, <laughs> swing your balls in the air, but keep that chin chin tucked, chin tucked in so you're in, you're in a, a, a neutral, uh, not neutral right, neutral and stable spinal positions. I think uh, are, two, are two different things.
2: The neutral the
0: stat, the and Well, a, new, a neutral spinal position would be. You'll have you've got a slight S, S shape mm-hmm. to, to the spine right? Right. when you're in a relaxed position. It shouldn't be too much of an S shape, but a stable spinal position actually, you take some of that S curve out a little bit with mm-hmm. what you at least the way I look right. at it with what you do with your pelvis and your ribs, etc. Right. Okay. Is that what you? I don't know. Do you agree, disagree with that? I'm interested to hear your thoughts. Well, on I,
2: no, I, I definitely agree. With like chin position, head position, and, and strength. I was trying to get the differences of, of what you're talking about. Neutral, and, and it makes sense. Like when you lay on the ground and, you, and you're like that space in your lower back and that's you a push down. Great down, right? example. Yeah. So that that's what you're talking about. The state. Yeah,
0: so if you just lie on the floor in a relaxed, right. in a relaxed position, a neutral spine would be yes. You can back. put your hand between the lower back. Right. But then when you do, like, say, hollow body holds, mm-hmm. I talk about crushing the gap between your lower back and the floor. And if right. that's that's a st- yeah, it's a perfect example. That's a stable position versus a neutral spine. Cool. Position. I just
2: want to understand exactly what you're saying, but yeah, yeah. Um, so as far as the chin position and stuff like that, I and mean, it's funny you talked about jujitsu and your head up because one of the biggest problems I have with all my athletes is their head position. Same with whether I'm speed training them or training them in the weight room it's that head position and how that mm-hmm. associates because what you just said like if, if your heads up are for the wrestler and you pull them you're going to be weaker yeah. because the natural thing is when your head goes up they think oh, like strength coaches oh your, your back will stay flatter if you look up but but when actually you, you turn your you core tilt, yeah and you turn your core off right yeah and, and you tilt forward and you have a much more tendency to, to lean forward when mm-hmm. you do that and, and i just show them. i said what happens when, I, when my head goes up I, I lean forward a little bit and it might just be you know an eighth of an inch but that eighth of an inch, it Yeah, it, so I
0: can feel my chest comes forward after yeah, if I'm testing this. Now, yeah. if I do lift my head up, my chest comes forward. After. Yeah,
2: it's a, it's a natural thing.
0: Because <laughs> the body, yeah, I, I didn't think it's just about the whole
2: that. biomechanics of how our body works. Our head goes up, we go forward. Even if it's just a little bit. And that little bit is, a, it, 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 it's the start of you going forward. And that weight going mm-hmm. from your whole body, that power line, right? That power line we teach them, like in the swing, yeah. to their lower back. And now you're going to be weaker. Power line, I've not
0: heard that term before. So,
2: I don't know if that's a technical term, but it's a term I use with the guys. So we're talking about triple extension. Where's that power? And we're trying to create that power through our whole body. Just yep. like we're doing a swing. And that, and if, if we lean over too much, where's the weight? The, the stress is on our back, right? Yeah. And if, and if I'm up too high and I squat instead of, instead of uh, pushing my hips back, then the weight's stopping in my lower back. It's not throughout my whole body. Yeah. So what I, I teach a lot of guys is understand that power line. If I'm standing up straight, that power line is going straight down. Okay, and if I lean forward at the waist, then it's on my lower back. So what what do we do? What do we teach them like on the swing? We teach them to push your hips back. Yeah. So so the tension, whoops, sorry, stand up might be easier. The te- this is my power lines. I'm sure just to talk, just talking to and I'm, the mic. And I'm standing tall, right? <laughs> and as I push my hips back, that power line stays in the same, going right down through my heels.
1: Yeah.
2: You know, so so the the weight's distributed through that that power line, but if I lean forward or if I squat then it's no it, it then i'm losing that you know i'm losing that that being able to utilize all the muscles in my body does that make sense yeah it
0: does it does we've got to record some videos at some point you know that right
2: yeah yeah I, i'm i'm down for that but that's that's usually important that 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 power position and as a strength coach when i was coaching high schools for all those years like for me like the most important aspect is that split second before they blocked, they tackled, they jumped. When their foot's in the ground and they're going to change direction Lord, whether they're on the Lord, field, the that load yeah. to triple extension. Yeah. Right? Just like when we do in jiu-jitsu, when you when you wrap a dude up and you're going to do a takedown, that split second is where all your strength and conditioning and performance training comes into play. Because if I'm not powerful in that, that split second, then I'm not a good athlete. And how do we create that power from that split second? Through strength, through isometric, through explosion. And all three of those systems are used in that split second. You know, my feet solid. Do I have tension and do I have isometric strength? So I create that that base to explode off and destroy my opponent, or whatever it is, whatever mm. it is, to jump high, to, to, to break, to, to to change directions on a field as much as possible. And you know, when, back when I was training the athletes, and the big thing now, like with speed coaches, you see them on all the fields, right? You see all these cones set up and all this stuff. And these guys doing all these agility things. And when I was at, I think it was Santa Margarita. They're like, John, when are you going to do agility training? I'm like, man, I'm teaching these guys how to run. I'm teaching them how to be strong. And when we did agility testing, I would teach them the agility test, but apply the principles of foot in the ground, that, that power blowing out of it. And like my oldest son, I think he did a pro agility, and his was 3.9, um, which what's, is – g- g-
0: Give me a reference. Basically,
2: that's NFL like combine by professional level speed. If you're 4.0, that's pretty fast. And wow. he was sub four on that. And we wow. timed him a bunch of times. And I spent like a week just showing him the drill that we were going to be testing on because the fundamentals of putting his foot in the ground and having that power, having that strength to get out of that break, the triple extension, the strength, the power from his foot hitting the ground, that split second I was talking about, man, the dude had it. I mean, he, was, he also cleaned 330 pounds at 17 years old and jumped 40 inches in the vertical jump. He was a freaky athlete. Wow. Yeah, I mean, Seth's numbers were worth like, Ridiculous in in college. I mean, he vertical jumped forty two inches. I think his, yeah, his broad what? jump was like ten six or something. He was retarded. You know, he was like I think he his his handheld time was like low four fours. Yeah, and that was when he was like two thirty. Now he's like one ninety. So
0: yeah, yeah, he's a lot smaller. Yeah, shit.
2: So like with all my training, that that's what I'm always saying is like you know for those guys on the field, you know, there's just a lot more for for us doing jujitsu or or if it's a fighter, you know, a lot more.
0: What do you what do you say to you do a lot of movement training right as we yes. talked about right every every, every, every single day and I, I try to talk about the benefit of having a movement training versus strength training versus power training and there's a, there's always a little bit of crossover but mm-hmm. if if you let's take okay you do some some form of squat I, I say leg extension right so not not in terms of a leg extension. Um, you know machine but you know a pistol squat a front squat a back squat mm-hmm. whatever it is right you're developing that movement then you've got the posterior chain you've got triple extension and some various other movements in there mm-hmm. but you can conceivably do all of those with your literally your toes and your knees and your hips always pointing in the same direction right so you're tri- right. literally literally going up and down up and down or you know to make it very very general mm-hmm. but then Jiu-Jitsu, We're all over the place in terms of the way that we move. So I I, I say to people that, you know, know when you're developing strength, you're developing strength. Know when you're developing power, you're you're training training to do power. But the movement training then trains your body to be able to move comfortably outside those very narrow bounds of movement. Mm -hmm. There's no... There is no research that I've seen on this stuff that says if you do this kind of movement training on top of jiu therefore you're less likely to get injured. But you're trying to not only train the body, uh, the mar- marble in the sand is like a good example, right? If you train your rubber marble in, a pe- in dirt, actually, mm-hmm. if you rubber a marble back and forth in dirt over just one line over and over and over, that movement pattern, those grooves, the myofascia is going to get strong in that particular movement. Right. But you've also got to have other movements on top of that to at least you've built your engine but then you've got to allow your engine to work in many different directions is maybe a way to look at it
2: yeah that's yeah what you're saying is is again it really reiterates like like my what my goal is right now is strength training. Yeah. And my system for for people like myself, people, people like us, yeah. whether they're fighters or jujitsu people, is being strong, being up from all these different positions. And and I think the question is like how, how do I go about doing that? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, movement, you know, if you would ask me a few years back, what what would be the one thing, what would you start with? I'd say strength. Everything's based on strength. Now I say, nope, movement. <laughs> you okay. know, Which obviously incorporates strength. So absolutely, I'm not going to miss movement. The mobility aspect, and, and, and I should say more, more mobility, being able to move and be strong and be fast and hold positions from every different... Every different thing we could think of, how our body can move, you know, and what system we train there. And I think of this as training our neuromuscular system because the injuries, like you said, the injuries happen, you know, because we go into a position that our bodies aren't used to. So our muscles can't contract, our synapses can't fire. And I'm not <laughs> I'm not getting too deep in that, but our body doesn't know how to do it. It's not that we're not strong, but from that position, we're not strong because our body doesn't know how to react from that position, a side lunge, you know, a basic side lunge because we generally, like you were saying, we do everything straight, right? Yeah. And then you go sideways and it's like, am I not strong? No, I'm strong. But from that position, my body doesn't know how to react. Yeah. So what I'm doing at this, 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 and I've probably been on this for the last year, you know, and I'm just trying to ramp it up this year as far as being stronger and stronger from all these positions. Mm-hmm. And that's through my mobility training and my kettlebell training. I'm doing lots of, you know, funky stuff with the kettlebells as far as like lateral lunges and... You know, doing different movements, doing explosive movements as I'm doing a strength movement. Um, I'm okay. going to try to work a lot on overhead stuff on squats, which I'm not great at that right now. Okay. Um, but I'm really going to be working am working With on kettlebells? With kettlebells. That's hard with kettlebells. It, it's really tough. It's really tough. You know, so I'm just trying to get as strong as I can from all these different, pos- different positions. Yeah. And, and then what I'm doing now, too, is I'll have some days where I'm just doing my core strength stuff with maybe some deadlifts and, you know, some one kettlebell squats and some stuff like that. Some basically core movements um, and then maybe some explosive movements on those days, some snatch, but then I'm doing days where I'm doing a lot of, you know, different things with the kettlebell, you know, doing a clean to a side lunge to a press to a snatch. All so, within. so it's a
0: high complexity.
2: Yeah, like the kettlebell be- flows. Like I look at all these kettlebell flows now and I see them all the time and these people are all doing them. but when I look at that I break it down and say, okay, well those movements work good together because, because they make sense and like, but some guys will be doing, they'll put three or four movements together, and one movement, that weight is great, like a press, and then you go do a snatch. Well, and I'm just, this is hypothetically, well, that snatch weight is just ridiculous. It's at 30% of my one rep max, so I'm working at 30%, but my press is at 60%. Okay, both of them aren't very good, but that 30% is terrible, so I'm. Am I, is that a benefit to do that those movements together, if one movement is so low in the percentage, because what's happening then? then I'm just training something that that's not in the range of how I'm going to be using it for real. So I try to combine movements that make sense, like okay. as far as the weight and the movement, um, things of that nature. Now I, c- I can compensate by squeezing extra tight, creating that tension, if I want to do attention to an explosive movement. So I'll do stuff like that. And then from those movements, I'll go into – something on the ground, you know, some type of gymnastica movement or animal flow movement, and, I'll, and I've been combining those and, and just seeing how that's working for me mm. as far as mobility. And I have noticed over the last year that I feel comfortable, I don't want to say every single position, but rarely am I in a position in the mat where I feel like I can't move, like mm. unless you're smashing me, of course. <laughs> let's let's be real here. Artino smashing me. <laughs> I
0: need you to go to the bathroom, so I'm going to pause okay. for that real bad. Right, we're back um do you know I've been playing a lot more with kettlebells in that way recently as well where I've got my got my Turkish get ups I've got my you know my cleans my snatches and the trad- traditional movements mm-hmm. one of the do you know what I can't remember how I got on onto this I could have I think I could have adapted this from some of the stuff that Michael Stromler actually showed me mm-hmm. where do you know the dead bug exercise?
2: Lay on your back and your arms up. Like, yeah, laying your back. Yeah, in the army. <laughs> yeah exactly. Exactly. I'm a dying cockroach. <laughs> that's what we I'm a dying cockroach. <laughs> that's what we had to say.
0: That's what you had to say. Yeah, yeah. I'm a dying cockroach. Yeah. That's, that's good mental training. <laughs> um so yeah, you're lying on your back, um, you've got a neutral spine like we talked about, mm-hmm. you take the you know, the curve out of the lower back, arms mm-hmm. and legs in the air, but then you kind of extend there's di- there's different variations, but this one variation is going to be um Okay, I take one arm back and the opposite one arm back and the opposite leg down. Mm-hmm. So one arm, the opposite arm and leg stay pointed, and then the other opposite arm and leg try to go all the way down to the floor, but maintaining the the, the tension in the yeah. core and not losing that position between the ribs. Keeping it pressed up against the ground. Yeah, right. Okay. And not not losing the parallel line between the ribs and the diaphragm. Um, no, sorry, the diaphragm and the pelvic floor. Okay. Or hips and rib cage, however you want to think about it. Um, but then you can use weights to do that. You, mm. know, you can put a weight on the hand. But then messing with, um, you know, holding one kettlebell and then rotating your legs from left to right and then rotating all the way through to the side so is that the arm bar I think it's a kettlebell there's the an oh, exercise is called the arm bar with the kettlebell just, right?
2: I've been doing that one yeah and, and looking at these I like that.
0: and then maybe from that coming into a, like a technical stand with the, the kettlebell in a rack position mm-hmm. and then putting it up and then you obviously you've got the Turkish get up and this is light with like, I think the lightest one I've got is like 12 kilos. So it's a really light kettlebell. And for me, I, I don't see that as like you're talking about. I don't see that as strength training. I see that as movement training. But I'm thinking about, okay, where's my shoulder blade in this position? What's my, how, how am I, you know, when I go onto my side, am I, you know, am I curving, bending the spine slightly? Where's mm-hmm. my head? So it's like movement training, body awareness training, activation training, mm-hmm. I suppose, is the way I look at it. And I, I think that kind of stuff is, um, it's like weighted movement training, I suppose. Is, Absolutely, is, I think
2: it's strength training for sure. Because I mean, you, you again, what, what, what's strength? Strength isn't the weight; it's tension. So you're using mm. twelve kilo, you know. And, and this, okay, let me step back a little bit. Like when I talk about that, and this is this is a huge thing that that I teach, and I think is very beneficial for anybody, and especially for me is is the weight as a tool. It, it's like I do clean press with twenty fours. Great, okay, I can do it. Well, what happens if if I have a pulled muscle? Well, I do clean press with 24s so I got to do clean press in 24s and I get it up there but my muscles aren't stable I'm shaking uh, well, how much tension did I create but I got it up so I'm good right instead of dropping down the 20 kilo or 16 kilo and creating tension on that clean press and now I could do a good movement with the 16 kilogram I could be quick I could be super tight and I can mm. create that tension and I'm now I'm getting stronger f- for sure so back to your point you're doing not a heavy 12 kilos isn't heavy, especially for you. And you're doing this movement, but you're creating tension and you're trying to be perfect in that movement, and, yeah. and you're getting all your muscles to contract at the same time. Yeah, so I mean, you are getting stronger in that. And, and yeah. again, that's the tool. Okay. And the more the neuromuscular you get better and better, and then it goes to 16 and go to 20 or whatever you're gonna go to, and, and then you're getting stronger, the, the being productive too. So, I mean, that's how I'd look at that for sure.
0: Yeah, okay. Yeah. No, That's helped
2: me a lot. Over like I told you, I'm not using much weight, but I'm more focused on that tension. Like if I'm sore and I want to do some deadlifts, I want to do some deadlifts. Well, man, I could deadlift 56 kilos. I got 256 kilos. I could deadlift that, right? But man, is that going to be beneficial? Am I going to create that tension? I mean, my you know my hip flexors are sore, my glutes are a little tight, maybe my hamstrings tight. Uh, but if I use maybe 40s or 32, whatever. And I can create that tension and get that whole body tension and be tight and, you know, separate that weight from the ground, keeping that tension and send all the way up through the movement with tension and end it right with the perfect angles. Man, now I'm benefiting.
0: So you get it, you, you get a training benefit through through training the central nervous system. Yes. Yeah.
2: Absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. Big time. Teaching how to fire. That's skill training. Then it goes back to workout or skill training. You know, yeah, I'm okay. in there to get my skills better every single time.
0: Yeah. I think there's, I think for me there's, there's a place where you push it. There is a place where you push the limits, but I think mm-hmm. you've got to pick the right exercises. Um, and we talked about leaving a rep in the tank earlier. Mm-hmm. I always think that rather than oh, could I grind out another rep? As soon as you start to see the quality of the movement or the speed of the movement, depending on what exercise you do, and drops dr- drop, not even significantly, just you know ever so much, you go and you know, back off. Perfect. Back off and and, do, and don't do yeah. anymore. That's the kind of the way I always always talk about it: form and function over. Over everything else, absolutely. Um, we we're talking about uh, that ability to, to set up a movement. that us say you're shooting for a takedown, or you're going for, going for a tackle in a football, mm-hmm. or you're about to lift the kettlebell. Right, it's that split second right. before you actually go into you know it, go into the movement that, that becomes most important. And not to say that you would throw out kettlebell not sorry not kettlebells throw out deadlifts entirely because when people look at the posterior chain and training the posterior chain which is so important in Mm -hmm. in life in general but particularly in jujitsu for all the hip drive movement we do people go well I you know I I just do kettlebells or I do deadlifts I don't need to do kettlebells I do work, work deadlift to train my posterior chain and I feel like with something like kettlebells and if you've got an ideal scenario right if you're someone like yourself that's like um are you semi-retired? What do you call it Sem- <laughs> semi-retired? Well, I'm not
2: retired in 2004, but I don't think I've ever really retired. You I'm have more, retired.
0: You, you have more time on you. Well,
2: <laughs> let's let's talk.
0: Well, well, I used I have to have time. You used to have time, right? So you you okay? You choose to use your time and maybe have more flexibility in your time with other people, so you sure. can really break it down. Sure. And maybe your work, your when you've been working with athletes, it's more of a focus for them. But if people are going to pick, you know, just a couple of exercises, I think that the kettlebell is so good because of the ballistic nature of it Mm -hmm. and what it does in terms of training you in that respect as opposed to a deadlift. So it's, I don't know, but deadlifts are a great exercise. You still deadlift, you still do kettlebells. I'm not throwing... Not heavy. Not not, not (laughs) Not crazy
2: with barbell, like 400-pound barbell deadlifts anymore. No, I do a lot of variations of deadlifts. Okay. So I want to be clear on that. Do Do I load that bar up and do heavy deadlifts? Man, it's been a while since I've done that. Probably been a year or so since I loaded the bar up and did it. Because the benefit, and do I really need it at this point? I mean, I think my base strength is pretty good. Yeah. Okay. So, so what would, it, it, would there be a benefit? Yeah, but is it worth the risk? No, because I jujitsu is my priority over getting super strong. You know, I'm strong enough to do the jiu And jiu-jitsu. is
0: health over the priority of jujitsu as well. Yes, yeah.
2: sir. Oh, but yes, absolutely. Yeah. Longevity, health for sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, what would what would be a
0: heavy deadlift for you now? On the barbell? Yeah. Well, if you're going oh, today, today I'm going a little bit heavier. What, what, what kind of weight range do you stick within?
2: Man, like I said, I haven't done barbell in a while. Like if I put a, or do you have a
0: trap? You use a trap off a deadlift?
2: I just use kettlebells. I, my kettlebells go right, up to 123 pounds each, so okay. I could I could go up to 246 that, 60, pounds, 60 kilos, 56 kilos. 56, yeah, okay. I, 56 kilos are my biggest ones. Mm. So I mean, sometimes I'll go to that, but not very often. But I do a lot more. You know, one one kettlebell deadlift off the side like a suitcase deadlift. Yeah, okay. I'll do single leg deadlift, so I'll be on one leg with two kettlebells or one kettlebell. Got it. I'll do sumo deadlifts with kettlebells. Um, I'll do I will do a suitcase with a barbell. It's great for the grip and core strength. I'll, yeah, I'll do that. Yeah, but just loading the bar up. I mean, I might do a snatch grip. On the bar, okay, deadlift because you can go lightweight and still get some benefit, especially for like the hamstring, posterior chain, yeah. the whole flexibility aspect of that movement. Um, but just loading the bar up, like it's been a while. I mean, I could probably put, you know, I don't know how much I can put on. It wouldn't be very good. I'd feel like doo doo afterwards. Why you do know? you
0: why 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 do you think doing deadlifts with? So let's say you've got, let's say you do, you know, a deadlift with two the one twenty three pounds right on either side. Why do you think that? better for you than doing a deadlift with the same weight put on the bar.
2: Well, it's just safer. It's like the trap bar because where you're picking the bar up it, instead of being out in front of you, there's there's more room for air on a bar yeah. than, a, than a kettlebell. So it, it's as simple as that. Is this where, where you're picking it up a lot closer to that center line, you know, yeah. opposed to being out in front of you? Less shear,
0: less shear force on the spine, maybe.
2: Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I've never uh, seen that, but yeah, absolutely, you could have some more shear forces on that for, for sure. Yeah. you know, and, and it just just more room for air and guys getting hurt. You know, I mean, deadlifts is a great exercise. Absolutely. It's a core foundational exercise, but, man, you got to be really careful with it. Yeah. For sure. And I never go to max, and I don't max any of my athletes on it ever. Yeah. For sure. And definitely keeping one or two in the bank, and that one's important. Okay. But it's still it's a, it's a critical. I mean, picking something up off the ground is it's just basic, right? Functional. Yeah. Is it you, better you than a swing? functional. Yeah. <laughs> functional. Functional training. <laughs> <laughs> but is it better than a swing? I mean, no. I, I mean... You know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say it is. Uh, which one's more important? I don't know. I'm not really sure on that. You know, Swing they're both the very important. Maybe just two, you know. But then again, if I did two exercises, I think I heard you say it too, I would I would go swings and get-ups. And yeah. then third one, deadlifts.
0: Not, not an upper body pulling mo- movement. I mean... I suppose a deadlift is... I you mean, know, you're, you're tri- getting tri- a lot act- of lat
2: activation and yeah. upper back and... More. Already. Yeah, absolutely with a deadlift.
0: If you could if only, only pick one sure. exercise
2: swing
0: Real, oh okay yeah yeah. Yeah. over the get up I'm a big fan of the get oh, up
2: oh I love the get up too I mean absolutely um,
0: I think for me it depends what it, dep- it depends what you're going for right I think if you go yeah. going if you're going for performance I think the swing is better because of the ballistic nature of it and the, the force generation through the hips but I think if you're going for just for me the Turkish get up is one of the things and when you do it and you do it right I feel like I'm wired head to toe Mm-hmm. If, if that if that makes sense, absolutely, hundred percent. And it just it teaches you just to, it's like it's like it's weird. It's like imagine you've got this this coil inside you, right? And if if the coil inside you has got all these wires that go through the body, that once you, if that coil is loose, the body is not kind of mm-hmm. tight and I mean tight in a good way, not tight as in lack of mobility. But when you do a Turkish get up, it's almost like someone just cranks that coil a little and it pulls those wires, in and you just feel
2: and, and if you're doing it right you never lose that throughout the whole movement you yeah know, it's, that, it's that speed that you know someone tried to teach my wife once I first started, I first met her she was dating and I was teaching her how to do a get up and then she went to her personal trainer right like get up as fast as you can and I'm like what did she tell you oh okay that's, that's great how much you pay not, not loaded not loaded <laughs> yeah yeah, got get up fast and it was we see ah. some interesting thing with kettlebells that's for sure
0: what, what what's what's the the real shit that you've seen?
2: Oh my gosh, um, man! It, it's with kettlebells. Yeah, gosh. I mean, I guess the, the 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 standard one is a swing. How we see it wrong. Yeah, you know, almost every time. And I'm not just talking about overhead because you can still do it in a sense right. And it's that creating that angle. And, and, you know, I always ask people when I teach them kettlebells. Have you ever done kettlebells? Yeah. I'm like, all right, do a movement. Oh, okay. <laughs> all right, you have it. Really? Really? What do you,
0: what do you, what do you tell people about footwear? Uh,
2: barefoot. Okay. Or flat shoes. Yeah. I like barefoot the best. Unless yeah. I'm doing Olympic lifting, is bare feet. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yep. Yeah. I mean, converse sometimes if, if it's really cold, but... Uh, it's a flat sole, typically. Yeah, well, flat sole if, yeah. You ha- if you have to wear shoes. Um, I mean, I teach a couple different styles of... of um, explosive kettlebell movements okay. I break it down the explosive and Olympic so and uh, I think who was who? I did this I think uh, what was the guy's name Jason Davies he does like renegade training I don't okay. know if he's big anymore but um, anyways so he, he broke it down that way and I'd already been doing it so I just named I, oh, okay that makes explosive make and sense. Olympic. What so explosive what? would be like okay we do a swing at the end of a swing your glutes are tight your stomach's tight and you're like almost holding it the kettlebell's going up and then as the kettlebell starts going back down, you push your hips back and you catch it. Right? The kettlebell
0: floats in the top. of the. Yeah, shoulder. it
2: floats. But during while it's floating, you're staying tight with your yes. hips, right? The Olympic style would be like an Olympic lift. And that's why I call it Olympic. Like when you do a, a clean and you get full triple extension, your feet are actually coming off the ground. Yeah. And then you and you call it a catch because the bar's coming back down and you catch it in that rack position, the front squat position. Yeah. And so when an Olympic with the kettlebells, I get kids going so explosive, they're coming off the ground and they're not going to, we don't want them to land their legs straight because you're going to get a lot of pressure in their back and a lot of hit. So they land in that slight knee bent position.
0: From a, from a clean or a swing? Uh,
2: from, 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 a, from a clean or a snatch. Okay. Not okay. the swing. Yeah. Not yeah. The yeah. Swing. yeah so, so a clean or a snatch. They're, they'll, they're generating so much power they're coming off the ground yep. and they're coming back and they're catching just like an Olympic lift so I call it the Olympic style now I don't teach like what I'll do with the kids I'll just teach this. Will, I want you to end with your hips tight because you want them to get their hips through and if you try to teach them that too quick they won't get full hip extension and yep. they'll just go like you know like not quite fully ex- uh, hips hip through or forward does that make sense? Yeah they're
0: not getting in the hips I I, yeah. I I always talk and think about trying almost trying to get your hips underneath the cowbell yeah, yeah, like kind of like do. bring it, bring it forward. Because I, yeah, I yeah. What, what I, what I find a lot of is that people think oh, I'm bringing my hips forward, but you've almost, you almost, it feels like almost you're going into hyperextension, yeah. but you're not because we're yeah. so typically so tight and bent right. over at the front normally that what actually is a straight position with the hips underneath actually yeah. feels like hyperextension to a lot of people, but it's not.
2: We call it. We say, and I think I'm gonna get this T-shirt, cracking walnuts.
0: With the, with the butt cheeks with
2: the butt cheeks <laughs> crack a walnut so my kids know crack walnuts I still it's talk about,
0: about of... I still talk about swinging your balls up to the <gasps> ceiling
2: uh, I'm gonna hide that one in there <laughs> uh, these are some teenagers sometimes I work with so yeah, 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 my, yeah. my 14 year old might be like oh my balls and my balls John <laughs> that would be good
0: <laughs> well mom and dad are watching yeah
2: yeah um but yeah, that's that. So so the Olympic and the explosive style. So I'll teach him explosive. I want the hip through, and then I'll then I'll teach speed because we talked about speed. Yeah. And then it just kind of happens naturally, and then I'll break it down for him after that. You know, it's like one of those teaching things. I don't. Sometimes I don't teach them init- initially, I teach them the explosive, and then they'll see other kids doing it, and I'll be like, hey, don't do it that way, just get your hips through, stay tight, like the end of a swing, because I'll see some of my kids I've been training for a while, and, and they're like, <laughs> you know, and they don't understand, and they can't see, because if you're doing it right, you can't see with your naked eye sometimes how fast those hips go forward, and they catch, because it's yeah. so quick.
1: Yeah. Um,
2: so, so we we'll, we'll, so,
0: so, if we use the clean and the snatch, sorry, sorry yeah. to interrupt, No no but... The swing is an explosive exercise. You're saying. Yes. You say yes. So could the clean and snatch be done in ex, uh, in an explosive style and an Olympic style? Yes. Okay.
2: And I and I and I teach them both. that.
0: so with so because the traditional way to do this, the, 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 I I first learned to do the kettlebell swing, kettlebell clean is heels stay on the floor. Mm-hmm. There is no triple extension, so right. that would be explosive. Yes. But then triple extension, quite often with the feet actually come off the floor, is Olympic. Yes. Okay.
2: Yes. And I don't think, I don't, I don't know if Pavel teaches that or Strong First teaches that. I don't, I've never seen it that way. The only, the only video that I've ever seen that, like I said, is that, that I think his name, is, I don't even know if that's right. <laughs> it, that name. It sounds like it is. I think it is, but it could be wrong on that. Um, but th- that's the only person I've seen teach it that way. But I teach it that way. You know? Yeah.
0: I've, I've started teaching but, it recently in the last kind of six yeah. to 12 months of you with, with triple extension in it. You, I think you do both. And for me, that's probably yeah. the one the one downside to the vast majority of tra- kettlebell training is mostly it's done with the heels on the floor. And, mm. you know, what athletic movement do you ever do with the heels planted on the floor? It, no. It's nothing. You know, one, and the way I would look at it is, you know, if, you, if you're going to do a clean with heels on the floor, maybe you're going to be doing, maybe maybe you would do a heavier weight, but let's say a kettlebell swing, right? You're probably going to do a 200 swing with a much heavier weight, which develops, you know, more ability to generate force in the posterior chain but your clean is a more complex technical lift mm-hmm. so it's going to be a light it's going to be a lighter weight so they both have it's not like you completely throw one out with the other yeah. they, they think they both oh absolutely possible benefits yeah
2: yeah because yeah. you're still you're creating that when you're swinging that kettlebell back yeah and you got to have some strength yeah right to get your drive your hips forward yeah and that and that's going to definitely translate into your clean even if it's a dead clean or a swing clean mm. e- either way it's it's still gonna it's still gonna help you know, we do. A, I do a lot of dead cleans. You know, with our guys, they can go pretty heavy dead with clean. that. Yeah, just and when I say dead, just from the ground. Okay, I don't know if you use that same language, but anytime I oh, say yeah, dead, no, then it starts from the ground. If I don't say dead, then our, guys, our kids know how to swing the movement. So I can do dead clean or clean. Yeah, yeah.
0: the way the way I, I, I've because um, I've only recently got a, a lot <clears> more into Olymp, let's call it Olympic style kettlebell lifts, <clears> right for one of a better term. Um and you've got swinging, you can do swinging cleans with it whether it's with triple extension or just double extension, but then you can start with then sometimes it will be with you know the above the knee below the knee or like you're saying them from the from the floor and they're all they all have a different level of complexity and a mm-hmm. different like' cause getting a, a swinging clean versus a, a dead clean from the floor is a completely Different experience in sure. terms of how you've got to load your body up from that bottom position
2: Yeah, I mean, they gotta know how to do deadlifts first, you know, yeah. and then then it's easy If they know how to do deadlifts and swings and, you know, pick it up like a deadlift and Accelerate, especially kids that have done Olympic lifting Because I mm. teach them all the different phases and the steps and, okay. you know, on, on uh, picking the bar up off the ground But yeah. that deadlift obviously is a key for that that separation yeah. That's usually where the mistakes happen, right? Picking the weight up off the ground, the butt comes up, they round, they go too quick and then, then they're in a bad position. Then it's over.
0: And then right you now. try to do that underlord, and underlord quickly. It's like it's a it's a disaster, right? Yeah, yeah, um, a disaster. So most, so most of the people that you've trained in the past have been for it's been for football, right? Um,
2: yeah, yeah, uh, probably the majority. Sorry, um, yeah. I start off, you know, coaching track and running track clubs, and then okay, I, so
0: a track to start off with.
2: Uh, As far as, as far as I was coaching track and football, Mm -hmm. and then when I got in the high school coaching, um, I I immediately got in the strength and, 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 uh, and the speed aspect, but it was was football players, but I'd coach all athletes. Mm -hmm. And I did that for, man, probably in high schools for about 10 years. Yeah. Somewhere around there, maybe a yeah. little less than that. Yeah, uh, at a bunch of different high schools down in down in Orange County. I don't know if you're familiar with Orange County football out there, the Trinity League, like no. Orange Lutheran and Santa Margarita. Yeah, it's some, some big time some, of football.
0: Some of my listeners may, but like you're, yeah. t- you're talking about the wrong country yeah. and the wrong sport. It,
2: it was pretty high level high school football. You know, I mean, there's okay. yeah, pr- pretty high now, Southern level. Southern California, all high school, you know, school all high school yeah. sport
0: in Southern California, right, is through the roof. Yeah, and
2: that league. I mean, last year was it four teams were in the were, in the, were top ten in the nation. Wow. It might have been at least three. I don't know. if Four teams were, wow. but three of the teams, the top ten in the nation. So it's, it's a ridiculous league and the level of football That's is just unbelievable. Crazy. So coaching in that league and being a strength coach, it, it, it was awesome. Yeah. Definitely missed it. And I think I share with you too, I'm about the, it's been six years since I've been in that world. and uh, start I'm, a new job tomorrow. Yeah. yeah. I'm actually, uh, probably, probably next week I'm going to go down and start working with it and looking at the program with Centennial High School over in Corona. I know you're not familiar with it, but it's it's in that level of okay. training football. They've won state titles and wow. they're, they're definitely a powerhouse and uh, I really like the coach over there and mm. what the program's about so I was in there yesterday just watching the kids lift and you know part of is like man I want to get in there and it's like man what do I start now that's always like I go in the weight room but I'll tell you this it was the most efficient weight room I've, I've seen really you know obviously I could break down a lot of the technique but just seeing the efficiency and the kids being focused which is usually the hardest thing so going in there, I, I'm pretty positive about that now. People it's are not community. there
0: on their phones doing Snapchat. Oh no, 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 no. Bullshit. not bullshit. Not there. Yeah,
2: not, not there. But in other programs I've been to, it was that way before I started. So yeah, it, I'm pretty excited to get back in the doing that. So that that'll be neat. I mean, I've loved coaching jujitsu guys and fighters, but you know, I'll tell you what, I like coaching jujitsu guys more so than fighters overall. Because I mean, I, I don't know if we share this, but I used to be the strength coach over at Dan Henderson's gym. I didn't know that. Yeah, and, I, and when I was doing jujitsu over there, yeah, I, I That's was a
0: bombshell to drop. Oh yeah, I was just the strength coach at Dan, <laughs> Dan, Dan Henderson Gym, Team Quest. Just gonna gonna drop that, drop that out that there that, that, like it's that, like it's that, like it's nothing, really. Yeah, yeah. I didn't, so didn't so, know that. so uh,
2: that yeah, that's how I ended, ended up over there. Um, but uh, yeah, I was over there training there and, and running some strength classes, and then mm. and I and I and I worked with some of their fighters, but. You know, it, it's it's hard in that culture of fighting to understand how important the strength and conditioning is. You okay. know, and obviously you gotta work your skills first. It's always skill set first. Whether it's football or fighting or jiu-jitsu, you gotta, you gotta have the skills first. Strength yeah. training, it, it complements that. And if it doesn't complement, it's not, you know, it, that's not the priority. But it's very, very important, especially for those guys fighting. I mean, they're fighting for their lives, literally. They're fighting for their lives. And for me, I just didn't get it. I didn't understand. Like, these guys, I want to train with you, John. I'm like, okay, well, I'm right there and I'm not charging you anything. Just come over and train with me, you know? And uh, man, they were just in and out, in and out. So There's a couple guys that would work with me on a regular basis, but not very consistent. The only ones that were consistent with me are were my jujitsu training partners. You know, I set up my classes over there, where we get done with jujitsu, and then we then I'd have my class, and I had a pretty good solid group that that would train with me. But the fighters that. Man, they just—they weren't. I mean, it's—and I do understand how tough it is, especially having a son that's a fighter and just figuring that out. It's tough to do because I mean, they got to train their grappling, their striking, and just that alone every day. You got to train that stuff, and then you got to do strength and conditioning. So you're looking at you know four to five to six hours of training a day, and while you're recovering, you know. So how do you balance that out? You know, it's 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 a tough thing for them, but they need to do it, and you know, getting those guys to be consistent. You know, they, they they just don't understand it. You know, I'm like, wait a minute, if you you have a fight, this is part of it. You know, and for me, coming from the football world, it's like doing your strength and conditioning, going in the weight room. It's not an option. That's what you do. You know, and I don't. But think it wasn't
0: it, always like that with American football, though, right? It's more from what I from what I've I've read and understood that it up until about the mid '70s, it was no, you don't do you don't do weights because actually it's going to make you big and slow, right? Um, that's if you, correct. If you do it the wrong way, because we found out with you, right? You, you, got, you got slower. <laughs> yeah, I but, got slower. <laughs> um, but, but so it hasn't always been that way with American football, right? That that took yeah. some time for that yeah. culture to shift as well.
2: Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. When I was in high school, it was still part of it. It was part of it even then in mm. the 80s. But um, where it is now, it's at another much higher level much higher level of, of performance training not just strength training going mm. there and getting stronger it's like man are these guys become becoming better athletes you know when I started it, and this is a great story I started at at, at J. Sarah you know and Coach Hart again he was a he's a pretty legendary coach but he, man that dude was a hardcore dude and I started with him he goes alright John I'll give yeah. you a month and if our guys get better cool we'll work something out if not then I'll say thanks for your time <laughs> I was like a month I'm, yeah I'm like alright you know I got a month You know, so he liked what I did, and you know, then I was there for three years, and you know, really, really enjoyed that. That dude was hardcore, man. I tell you, three years, like in three years, I had to be on it, like to the minute. To everyone, it had the flow, and I had 70, 80, 90 kids in there, and I had one workout in three years that I screwed up on. You know, I didn't have my timing right, and a couple guys got messed up. It wasn't horrible, but it wasn't wasn't to our level, my level. And then he let me know. I was like, oh, you jerk. But he was right. He was right. So he definitely made me a, bet- a, a better coach. Wow. W- without a doubt. But they don't, they don't get it in, in, in the in the fight world about how important it is. And it's even funny over at Carlson Gracie sometimes. Like people with Seth. I mean, they're like, man, he's freaky strong, right? You know, I mean, and he is. But, you know, I've been training since he's seven years old. He's got some good genetics for sure. You know, his... his, his uh, do, good, you know, do you know the dot? Uh, I don't know the dot. me. I'm his brother not his dad (laughs) yeah we established established that we established that yeah yeah. that dude's been training in a certain you know in a certain system for a number of years and people always say that to me I'm like yeah I wonder you know uh, I I know how he got there you know so not a lot of guys I don't think they correlate to his training they just think he's that way well he's been trained that way since he's seven years old you know, there's a reason he's as strong as he is, and most guys don't even feel how strong he is because he's always afraid of hurting people. You know, and I'm always yelling, I'm like, dude, just let it out sometimes. I'm like, go with Lawrence, he's okay. You go with the guys that are good yeah. and, and let it out, so you get used to going at that at that level. But
1: yeah,
2: um, it, it, it it's crucial for the for, for these guys. It's it's why even for for him, he was able to hang with guys at a much higher level skill wise because of his strength. It, it kind of closed that gap completely. You know, when he was, he he's been training at CSW uh, out in Fullerton he trained there the last year and right now he's kind of working on a skill set but he was able to hang with these guys that you know some were in the UFC fighting at a high level not because his mm. skills the same as them because how explosive he was and how quickly he moved and and that strength you know we call it strength and conditioning right because that's what people understand that yeah, yeah, his yeah. performance was at that level you know so
1: mm.
0: I, so what uh, <laughs> And I you know I I can you know I've rolled with South a lot and yeah absolutely right it's you you can feel it right there's certain stuff that you just you can't get you can't get away with um, so it makes you makes you a lot better as a fighter as well when fighting someone like that but I'm interested to know what you when you were doing the strength caution at Team Quest uh-huh. and you said predominantly it was jujitsu fighters in yeah. that I didn't realise you also trained with trained jujitsu fighters what are the kind of What's the kind of approach you take with a jiu jitsu fighter? Because it's it's a different sport, right? We're, it's a different sport to
2: football.
0: Than MMA. Well, it's a different sport to MMA as right. well because yeah. I think with this is my I've not I've done I did a couple of MMA classes when I first that's why I started jiu jitsu at an MMA school, right? Um, right? For the first couple of months, did a little bit of striking, did about three striking classes, ended grappling as I called it at the time, and then I'm like, fuck the striking <laughs> off, I love this stuff, right? So I haven't done. I've done, like, you know, maybe three striking classes in the last, like, 12 years, whatever the case may be. Um, But my perception with... i mean, give another example, actually, with rugby, right? I know with rugby training, I've got a certain amount of sessions. I know roughly what the intensity is going to be on the session, Mm -hmm. you know, in season. And therefore, I can accommodate my strength and condition um, around that. But with jiu-jitsu, when you're on the mat four or five times a week, And sometimes you just don't know what kind of class you're going to go into and sometimes it can be light and more technical sometimes it's really balls to the wall and intense Mm -hmm. so you've got a high volume and high intensity on that training so then it becomes for me i think this is the biggest challenge that i find when i'm you know doing like strength and conditioning for jiu-jitsu fighters Mm -hmm. and myself included is how do you balance that volume how do you balance that intensity and get someone to be you know, to be more mobile, to be more strong, to be more explosive without burning them out when the jiu jitsu training in itself is so damn demanding.
2: Yeah. Well, it's, you know, when we're comparing jiu jitsu or MMA compared to football and, like you said, rugby, man, yeah. it's so much easier coaching football players. Yeah. I mean, you have your off season, it's easy to set up a periodization plan. You know, when you can push them, you know, you can back off, you got your in season training. You know, that's pretty easy to do so the challenge and, and that's probably why I like training fighters and jujitsu people because that was a challenge and all those aspects you just touched on were, yeah. are, are really tough to deal with mm-hmm. so it goes back to some of my fundamental philosophies as far as keeping one in the bank so a rule I'd use is that if you're sore or slightly you know I don't want to say injured but you got to say a pull but you can still function then keep two or three in the bank you know so if you got anything like that would you, you drop
0: the intensity of the lift down in terms of yes. the percent, the
2: percentage Absol- absolutely whatever yeah. weight and I would just use the rule is whatever weight you can do that lift perfect and create the tension or create the speed with or or maximize the tension if it's isometric that's the weight you want to use again it goes back to that being a tool to create what strength or speed or 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 just isometric Mm. that's what it is it's not it doesn't matter what the weight is whatever weight it is now if you're doing a movement you know whatever it is and it's easy and it's no problem holding it well now it's time to go up because yeah. if I go up weight now I can do that weight perfect skill wise contract all the muscle neuromuscularly doing it right the more weight is going to add more tension or more power if it's a speed movement so yeah. that's when it's time to go up but if you're you know sore or tired or injured from training you know, so using that rule is really important. So that's a rule, uh, uh, something I would talk about the guys with a lot. You know, keeping that in a bank. We do not go to failure. Do we train the failure? Yeah, I said to to make all my football players. Do we train the failure? Like yeah, no, you don't, stupid. We don't train the failure. Okay, <laughs> no sir, yeah. yeah, no sir, right. So so really emphasizing that with, mm-hmm. with the people I'm working with, and it was such a variation of, of guys, from young guys to older guys. Um, so, so it really takes, takes that time to talk to the people you're training, yep. you know, as well as talking to myself because I'm kind of an idiot and I always want to push myself. So it took me years to kind of figure that out, yeah. you know, to how to back off myself. So it's easier to coach people in that. It's like your sore. Okay, let's do this. Oh, your shoulders are sore. Okay. We won't do anything overhead. We'll do swings. Uh, we won't do, maybe we won't do snatch. Maybe we'll just do a high pull. So we're not you know, putting stress on that shoulder, but, but we're still in s- the general movement. Yeah. We're, we're training the general movement. So yeah. adjusting the lifts for that, um, you know, maybe, maybe, uh, you know, we don't want to load up our legs. So instead of doing like squats and doing a heavy weight, we'll do like a split squat or a single leg squat or something like that. Yeah. Something that's a little easier on the body. So there's a lot of adjustments with the volume, with the intensity, with the exercise itself, with the movement that you got to make under those circumstances w- without a doubt. Yeah. Um, you know, and it, and it comes down to your, you know, your relationship. I mean, coaching is about relationships, uh, the bottom line. That's mm-hmm. what it is. I mean, you got to know your athletes, what they're about, what they look like. You know, if, if you don't know by the, the look on the person's face that you're coaching, what's going, there's something going on, then you're not really doing the right thing. You know, I so mean, you know,
0: you know, okay, that's yeah. not, a, today's not a day for you to be pushing. I, I,
2: absolutely. Yeah, they're yeah, walking yeah. in they're doing, you know, their heads are down and they're, so, hey, you go, you good? Well, I got this. Okay, well, what, what happened? And you, and you got to talk to them. Okay, this is what we're going to do today. You yeah. know, I want you to do two sets instead of... There's five sets on the board. You're going to do two sets. So yeah. so it really takes a lot of time. And and you got to be aware of who you're working with and what they're doing and, mm. you know, their body language and then talk to them and just talk to them and see where they're at. And if they're just really hurting, then go home man. and go stretch out and do some mobility stuff. You know, go sit in the sauna and do something like that, and get yourself better, and come back tomorrow and train. Which I've done that a lot too. Yeah, absolutely. What
0: would you What would you do in terms of um, the periodization, and then and and the, how you break it down into different training cycles?
2: Man, it's 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 really tough. And I'm not going to say I got that nailed down for jujitsu people and fighters because I mean, what's our season? I don't know. You know do we really have a, have a season? Yeah. No. So the periodization, in, in a sense, it. it, it you know, and I'm not training a lot of guys right now. Um, so say, for example, with myself, it, it, it's pretty easy. I, I know what I'm trying to accomplish. So my periodization isn't a standard base strength peak f- type phase periodization. It, it's, it's, I understand what my overall goals are and certain weeks I'll, I'll focus on it more. So like say if, if my jujitsu, if I'm not going to have as intense, if I don't have a competition coming up and I want to get my core strength stuff. So maybe I'll do some more squats and deadlifts and snatches and some of the core movements and glute hands with the barbell or something like that yeah. to get that, those foundational stuff, some weighted pull-ups, some stuff to get that core strength level up a little bit. Um, but then, you know, then my training starts getting more intense Um, I'm able to go three times or four times or whatever in a week because of my schedule. Then I'm going to start doing some more mobility, more movement, um, incorporate some of the, uh, the the flow site kettlebell movements we talked about, like yeah. lateral lunges, some different type movements. With some, you know, we didn't even talk about like the, I guess we call it the unconventional stuff, maces and Bulgarian bags and ropes. I'll incorporate that in there too, so I, so I can get some, some work in done that way as well. So my periodization isn't a set plan. You're not, on,
0: you're not on the mat like four or five days a week because of your your, your work schedule and stuff, right? It's, 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 it's a bit more inconsistent for you.
2: You know what? It's not so much because of my work, other than when I travel, because I've traveled a lot the last three years. But more so, I'm trying to balance out the volume of being on the mats, and I'm drilling a lot more at home. Like the last, you know. So you're
0: separating the technical from the physical.
2: Yeah, because when I go to the gym and it's time to roll, we're gonna roll. You know, and and I know how I am, and 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 I've come to the the conclusion. It's not like I don't think I'm. I hope not. I'm not one of those ah guys. But it's part of my game. You know, if a guy pushes it back, I'm going to be smart and use technique. But there's a strength involved in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and the thing about the stronger you are, the more chances you are to get injured in a sense. Because you're developing more force and more power. So me and you are going, it's a lot greater chances I'll get hurt than if I'm going with someone who's just technical but very good. Yeah. You know, I mean, they might beat me. Like, you know, if I go with someone like uh, Alex. That was just amazing, right? Yeah. And his technique's amazing. Less chance of me getting hurt, though, because than going with you. You know, I mean, you guys both probably beat me, but but it, it, it's just different. It's more force on force. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Because I'm not going to back down. You're not going to back down. That's what it, what it is. So, okay. So I think it's more, in a sense, just my style. I've tried to do things more to mitigate that. In a Mm. sense, at the gym, like who I'm going with and what game I played that day, and it's been better over the years as I've gotten more experience. But it's still at the end of the day, it's it's still going to be a fight. Yeah. At the end of the day, it's a fight. You know, I'm doing martial arts because it's self defense. At the end of the day, it's not. You know, competitions are great. I'm going to compete this week, which I'm so excited about. You are competing this week. I'm competing on Friday, and yeah, I'm going to compete, and you know, I'm not going for. I just want to (laughs) win. I wanna win the fight. I don't What's know so, if I'm gonna win the, the match.
0: But you're gonna win you gonna win the fight win fight. You're gonna win the I am yeah. gonna win the fight. You're gonna win the fight. Yeah. I I know I can hear you. I yeah. hear you. Yeah. Um so what I no, I didn't realise you were doing the pants. Yes. Um because Queenie's doing the pans as well. Yeah, she I is. knew she was. Her
2: first competition ever. That's awesome. And like I tell her, so don't worry about it, it's the biggest competition in the world. The most amount of competitors in No, Masters,
0: Masters World is bigger. It's <laughs> fine. Don't tell her that. Not much bigger than, <laughs> not much bigger than the pans. Yeah. So, what's your what's your training looking like then this week? With the, the are you are you touching kettlebells at all this week leading up to Friday?
2: A couple of days, pretty light. I did today, yeah, okay, um, and I did yesterday, and tomorrow. I'll probably just do swings but it's been pretty easy loads have been pretty light I've, I've done a lot of you know I, I mix in some maces and some movements within that you know yeah um, up my tempo a little bit try to get myself breathing without breaking myself down so I, I rolled Monday and then I'm just gonna drill every other day I just drill at home I got to you know like I said my buddy just coming over and yeah. working on what my strategy is for this week and, and just going tomorrow I'm gonna try to get a little sweat on with them um, yeah and then probably just flush out with some swings and some get ups and then uh what well, that's Wednesday and then Thursday I'll, how I'll heavy do,
0: how heavy would you go with swings
2: probably 32th, uh, so, yeah, like 28s or 32s pounds kilograms so so light for, for, yeah. for, for you for yeah, like, for yeah.
0: some people not but like yeah yeah yeah, yeah and, yeah, and i'm not
2: going to be pushing 20 reps or something like that 5 to 10 reps really more focusing on just the movement the tension a the good speed snap. yeah a good snap at the end and mixing in that with some movement and, and that that'll be about it you yeah know, okay. I mean my weight's pretty good. I'm like right there, so I don't really have to worry about that yeah. Um, I was thinking about going the middle weight but I'm like, nah, <laughs> I'm glad I didn't. <laughs> you know it' have been tough this why, why time. Would,
0: it's So quest, question for you and I'll give my answer as well. Sure. why say tomorrow right tomorrow's Wednesday, Thursday, yes. Friday if fight fight on Friday why not why, why do kettlebell swings tomorrow at all? If you're only a couple of days out,
2: I mean, it goes it goes back to, to you know why do we do kettlebells in the first place to to create that tension, create that 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 dynamic movement, create that that speed to get my lungs going, you know, training my body how it's going to react. If I'm going to do a takedown on Friday that's going to be the same motion as that kettlebell swing so I I, I want to keep that I want, I want to
0: see you kettlebell swing someone in the competition just dude. grab them and just kettlebell swing them dude, I the did that bench. last
2: time I almost got disqualified I double legged the dude and slammed him really yeah I didn't get it though because he laid there he goes oh you can't do that it was so funny <laughs> he can't do that I'm like am I disqualified I didn't get disqualified so I'm like why, is the guy, why can the guy do that you know you keep fighting right I'm like what is this this is weak you know
0: so <laughs> And you dropped an elbow on his face um, so are you are you saying I don't want to put words in your mouth but this is not the right. reason this is the reason I do like I did I did strength work yesterday um, I rolled a tour today and rolled today I'll roll a bit tomorrow I fight Saturday and I'll do strength work again tomorrow but similar to you it'll be very very low intensity mm-hmm. um, not much volume at all I do I do it in the last week more to keep my central nervous system primed mm-hmm. Is it? Would that be a kind of a way to describe that what yes. you're what you're talking 100%, about? hundred percent. Yeah. Okay. A-
2: absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. For, for sure. You know. I mean, your body will digress pretty quick. I mean, you know that. Yeah. What is it? 48, 72 hours. You start getting weaker. I mean. Do you really? Is that. It, it's that quick. I mean, how much? I don't know. I, I honestly, yeah. I don't know. But it's but it's but it's that quick. But it's 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 more like the, for me, it's like the breathing the lungs and just you know, um, keep getting that heart rate up, you know. Yeah. going in a fight, you know, because you know how it is, you, you know, you don't, you don't roll for a week, you come back, and I experience this all the time when I travel. and I come back, and that first couple rounds, you're like, you know, which is going to happen anyways, but because you know, I've that
0: I've heard, and I've talked about this on the show in the past, that Zanji Hibero um, doesn't roll for before his big competitions, wouldn't train for a week before mm-hmm. to really let the body recover. But then I and I think the traditional sense in Jiu Jitsu is, you know, you take three days, and you take it kind of completely off. And I used to do that for quite some time, or at least kind of two full, two full days. Um, but I was chatting to Tom, Professor Tom, who's both of mine and mine and John's coach. He, he said, well, football teams will do a run through, the day of mm-hmm. a game. And I'm like, well, yeah, that's, yeah. So why would you just take three days completely off? It doesn't mean that you're rolling hard on those three days. Right. But you're staying mentally sharp but i'll so normally what i will do is i'll, I'll take normally i would train on a thursday i'll take the thursday off i'll go in on friday because i'm fighting saturday mm-hmm. but I'll, I'll just i'll go as i'll go as as intense as i would maybe if i was warming up and that would be it mm-hmm. that's all i'll do so i won't go in You know because i know i can warm up to that intensity and go on and fight and it's not going to be a problem so mm-hmm. if i do that on the day before just to keep mentally sharp and even then i probably won't try to get that intensity it's more keeping the mind sharp working through options and stuff rather than yeah i'm going i'm going more and more away from the idea of taking days and days off you can physically physically taper off but it doesn't mean you can't stay mentally sharp and do some basic exercises basic swings just to keep the central nervous system primed
2: uh, yeah, I agree with that 100% mm. is that strategy and going back to you brought up football. Absolutely. I and mean, we actually we actually started lifting weights the day of the game just to kind of I've, get the guys relaxed. I've read
0: that. I've read you that know? as well, yeah.
2: yeah. At first, our coach was like, you know, yeah, we're going to do some lifting the day of the game. I'm like, but the other side of it too is I, I know those those night games, those Friday night games and the guys, you know, they get done with practice. We do walkthroughs. We you know some, you know, ice baths, we'd eat, and they just kind of sit around, they just get kind of lethargic at times.
0: A lot of energy to burn off. And we
2: go in the weight room, and I'm talking what what, what I'd do with them was we, we would do um, about, what? we'd do two sets of hang power snatch, we'd do a couple pulls, just to get them going, a couple sets of hang power snatch, a couple sets of hang power cleans, and that was it. Like, we're talking like seven, eight minutes, but it what, was just cool. We'd go what, in there. What percent? Of? Oh, 50, 60%. So, so, speed, light. just yeah, get them just going. Just get them just, firing. Just get them yeah. firing. Like, just fast. And we get them all pumped up. And it's short, not over intense. How long before the game? We did that probably, it's probably about three hours. Okay, three Two, hours. Two, three hours. So, yeah. yeah. Bill Romanowski, you remember him? He he was this crazy dude playing no. the like Raiders linebacker, just okay. psycho, roided out of his mind probably, but he was <laughs> awesome. You know, he's a guy who's spitting in another football player's face, famous guy. <laughs> he was crazy, right? <laughs> Love this guy. He was on the Broncos for a while, but he used to do like hundred pound snatches before games. He'd be in back in the locker room, just like doing dumbbell snatches with 100 pounds just rah, getting all jacked up getting the system firing but i mean yeah
0: and if it's 50 60 percent of your one rep mark that's it's a warm-up right Any, yeah. anything below what i've read anything below 50% yeah. 50 percent doesn't even count as your up. 50 60 is not maybe not true warm-up but it's not much past past the warm-up set but it's just getting that warm-up that speed you know yeah. and
2: warm-ups like and we talk about lifting weights and one of the big things i teach with my guys when they're, when they're warming up their lifts is you're not just warming up the muscles, and that's part of it. You're warming up the neuromuscular system, the fire at a certain rate. So if we're doing squats, I'm, you're doing the exact same tempo you're gonna do your squats with. You see a lot of guys going to the gym. Oh, I'll do 10 reps, I'm gonna warm up for squats, get my legs ready, and then I'll go put some weight on there. Well, that's dumb. You're not warming up your system. Warm up your system. So whatever we're doing for a up is warming up for that movement so if it's a swing man, we're snapping that swing right mm. and then we start going a little heavier and we're still snapping that swing so I think the same thing would apply to what we're talking about getting warmed up you're warming up that system you know yeah. for for the for the match
0: what would you do for a, how do you approach your warm ups before a Jiu Jitsu competition man, or, or has it been a while
2: it's been a while it's been three years MCL meniscus yeah, cartilage dislocated yeah. elbow <laughs> knocked me out of my last major competitions but um, and, and I asked this question to Tino the other day too what he does for a warm up because that was like a thought you know okay and I and I and I don't think I've competed so much where I know exactly what the best thing is, but I wanna get myself going a little bit, you know, and and what I'll be doing is is the same routine I do before jujitsu. And I'm I'm gonna get in there early and I'm gonna yeah. go through the same processes to keep it same as normal. Um, my only thought, you know, maybe you could give me a few tips on that is getting myself up because you know that first round, like if we just warm up and go to that hard round <sighs> Besides the adrenaline dump, which is another issue, but you're you're going to feel that. So I, I'm thinking, you know, how much would do you, you go, and, and how much should I go before the match to get myself breathing? Like, Tino is like, I'll do some jumping jacks, get myself going, but I don't do any rolling.
0: Some people do that, right? T T Tino can do that. I know Ross Nichols, who's um, he's one of the one of the one of the best guys to come out to the uk in the last kind of five five to ten years good friend of mine and when i was interviewing him he said you sometimes you just take a nap <laughs> some people a lot of people don't do it right there's, there's a lot of examples of that but to me there is no research anywhere that suggests warming up is a bad idea mm-hmm. right and there's a lot of research suggests that warm-up not warming up is a bad idea right mm-hmm. so some people can make it work and you hear those anecdotal stories that's yeah, good oh damn yeah turn the light on um you can actually see your face.
1: Huh? <laughs> That's <laughs> um, a good looking face here too. Man. Yeah, it's like
0: it, both both got sport and a bit of stubble. Um, what were we talk talking about warm ups? Um, what do I? What was the question again? What do I do for my warm up? Yeah, yeah.
2: But you were talking about there's there's no research that says that warm up's a bad thing. Yeah. So but I, how much do we get going? Well, there's
0: there's, no, there's plenty of research to show that not warming up is a bad thing. but yeah, You know. Yeah. I think the biggest concern that people have with warm ups is going to be that they'll burn up some of their energy. I need to save my energy. And what I say to people is, let's take our Friday morning class as an example, where you roll 15 rounds back-to-back, or most people will do at least four, five, six rounds on a regular basis at their jiu-jitsu school, back-to-back-to-back. Can you get through that? Yeah. How many fights have you got in your bracket? Maximum of four. Why are you concerned about that you burning out your energy? You've, it's not you're not going to burn out your energy. So I think people yeah. should blow that out of the water straight away. I, 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 I do. Um, I'll start off with you know a little bit similar to what you were talking about in terms of your routine. I like to start warming up probably about thirty minutes before my first fight, 30, 40 minutes, partly to relax because yeah. I'm trying to get going. I want to do something, so I'll do a lot of just like you know hip 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 movement work shoulder movement work you know working the scapula, activating the scapula, mm-hmm. activating the core um you know a lot of rotation work just to get the body loose so maybe similar to what you do in your morning yeah, yeah. your morning like routine it. um the other reason i like to do start quite mm-hmm. early rather than just getting rid of some of that you know energy and relaxing is that sometimes they pull your bracket forward mm-hmm. and you've right. kind of got to, you've kind of got to be ready and i think about it then in terms of and gradually building the intensity so every five minutes over a period of about 15 to 20 minutes i'm gradually building the intensity to. i have the last five minutes where i'm doing i want to get it to about eight get my heart rate to about 80 or 90 percent almost mm. and then about ideally about 10 minutes before my first fight which is not always hard to yeah. easy to do with jiu because the timings yeah. changed. so how, how do you do that I'm, so I'm i would do so if i can it's hard to roll with someone typically in these competitions yeah sometimes i'll use a skipping rope i'm um, just kind of do some skipping i'll do some breath hold exercises that i've talked about in some of the other shows where i'm kind of doing i would do say five hops with a skipping rope with all my breath out of my body then mm. two or three breaths in so working and building up my carbon dioxide tolerance doing that kind of thing but then they usually the last kind of five five minutes of exercises are going to be some Hindu push-ups, like I say five Hindu push-ups. Then I would go into some jumping jumping squats, where I pull my knees up quite high, mm. and then I would go into um, uh, maybe some kind of burpees, full you know full bastard burpees, and do five reps. And then I'll just relax for like thirty seconds, and maybe do that two or three times. And I'll if you if people have ever I'm, you know, not that important to people. Who watch me in the warm up area, but quite often, what I'll do is I'll put my hand over my heart, and I'll feel my heart rate, and yeah. I'll feel my heart rate, and go, "Where's my heart rate now?" Right, and I, I'm not counting. I, I can't count it like a heart rate monitor, but I want to get my body elevated to the point that if I needed to suddenly go full tilt, a hundred percent, it's not a shock to my system. And then I try to get to that point, and you get, you kind of get the experience of. Okay, I know roughly when I'm ready now. Then it's about five, ten minutes. Then I'm just trying to... uh, I know my body's ready. Then Mm -hmm. I'm trying to relax for the last five to ten minutes. Maybe you'll see me do just a few more push-ups, a couple of air squats. And what I'd like to do, usually about two minutes before the fight, usually when you're on deck, you're Mm -hmm. right by the side of the mat, is do... GSP used to do these kind of jumps where he jumps and brings his knees higher, higher, but Mm -hmm. in the air as he possibly can. So it's it's not a plyometric exercise. Well, I suppose... It is in respect when I hit the ground, I'm trying to rebound as quickly, so it's not quite the plyometric exercise, because I think of the, the way that you jump in, but it's that just recruiting all sure. of the body yeah, in yeah. one explosive yeah. movement. So two or three times, my central nervous system is primed and getting that kind of stuff on the go because that, that that works for me. You know, okay. I try I try to get I, I try not to do like you see the people how ah, they slap in their face, and that <laughs> kind of thing. but a lot of the time. Hopefully by, the, hopefully, by the time I've walked out onto the side of the mat, I'm physically ready.
1: Yeah.
0: You might see me do just a couple of squats, a couple of press-ups just to keep the blood flowing and maybe a couple of those jumps to prime the central nervous system. But a lot of what I'm trying to do in the last two or three minutes, right before, just breathe. It's almost making me nervous thinking about it because I know I'm fighting the weekend. You're getting plumped. Yeah. yeah. It's, like, yeah. Getting, it's getting my body going. But I'm... I'm I'm breathing, I'm breathing deep, I'm looking around and trying to be in the moment and listen. One of the things that helps me be really present is listen to what's going on, listen to the crowd, listen to the noise. Mm. and just brings me into the moment and I like to look around the room and just take it in because it's that moment of, I'm about to go on, right? I've done everything that I can possibly do to be ready at this point in time and if it, whether it's been an ideal lead up to the ideal lead up or not at that point in time there's nothing more that I can do yeah right I'm as good as I've ever been at that point in time and now I just try to go just be in the moment and take it all in right because there's going to be a point where I'm not going to be able to compete in these tournaments and like the, the Pan Am is a really good venue you're down in the pit yeah I love right. it I've competed there three times it's a great venue right? I love it yeah. so you look up the crowd is the crowd is up higher than you and you're in like it's almost a bit like you know the and they're
2: court. all looking at you they're all looking oh, at me right? they're all oh. they're all looking at me
0: not, not Andre Galval three matches down or something oh. right? or JD Torres or whatever the case may be um but I try to soak it all up yeah because there's gonna be a point when that's not gonna I'm not gonna do that anymore and I try to enjoy the experience and just be mm. I remember the first black belt tournament I ever did was in here in southern California and I was telling myself before like right, I'm here fighting as a black belt in southern California mm. I'm just gonna just mm. fucking soak it up and 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 make the most of it so maybe there's other little things that I do along the way and maybe that's not going into all the details but that's yeah. generally kind of how I like to I suppose physically, I'm a little bit mentally prepared as well. What the kind of self-talk that's going on at that point in time?
2: Yeah, that's awesome. No, that warm-up, that 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 I was just picturing you doing that, and I was getting excited too. Yeah, man, I'm so excited because I you I'm know I'm like really pumped right now. Uh, let's you want to go? Yeah, I can do it. Tear the table out of the way, man. But it's it's been so long. It's not because I chose not to. I just had those freak like before the last two pans. Yeah. one was a torn MCL. One was a, a subluxed elbow. And then before the Last Worlds, I tore my meniscus. And they're all just freak things. It had nothing to do with my age. I know mm-hmm. that. I was like, ah, oh, you're old. You can't. I'm like, no, it's not. I mean, someone jumped on my knee. And Sean hit my... hurt. Just not Sean, but it was just... I was rolling with him. And it just got caught. My foot got caught. Yeah, you nice. know, rote landed on my knee. It, it's just freak yeah. things, you know. But, man, it just... It, it was tough. Honestly, like for me mentally... It's been hard the last couple of years, especially the last year, because I've been training jiu-jitsu so long. I started this journey, like I said, like 93, 94. Life kind of took me away. Now I've been back in the game for about seven, eight years. And, you know, I changed gyms. I watch guys compete. I watch guys get promoted. I'm not in jiu-jitsu to get promoted, you know, for sure. I'm not in there for medals.
0: Still nice, though. They're
2: still nice, you know, and and I'm not going to sit here and say those things don't matter to me, you know. Um and they do at some point, and these things kept happening, and you know, it challenges yourself, and that's what I love about Jiu Jitsu, man. It's like, it does. It really challenges you as a man to be a better person. Jiu is great, I love fighting. <laughs> I love fighting. All kinds of fighting. <laughs> I used to get paid for it when I was a cop, not professionally in MMA. Although I did do an MMA fight, by the way. I did one, when I was 41.
0: When you were 41? Yeah, took you the dude out. Yeah. Did you really? Yeah,
2: yeah, hey, that, he powerful. went out, Tried to, try, he tried to take down the referee. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I did a few Muay Thai fights. That was kind of cool too. But I mean, I love Jujitsu for sure. But yeah. it's, it's it's been a it's been kind of tough, man. Like just just mentally, like probably the last couple months, I haven't been motivated at all. Really, you know, I haven't been motivated. You know, it hasn't changed me from going to Jujitsu. And I guess I go back to what Jocko always says, man. You know, I don't do what I do because of motivation. I do it because of discipline. I do it because of my goals. And I've really had to, the, to lean back on that. Is like, man, I'm, you know, I set some goals with this a long time ago, and I'm not going to stop because of this. And I was thinking. Man, if I get hurt again, I don't care. It's not going to stop me. You know, because part of me is like, man, if I get hurt again, man, forget this. You know, just that weak, the weak part of you. And I was like, I'm not going to let that happen. So we're here and uh, I made it through Monday. I was going Monday going, man, I don't care. I'm going to train. You know, I'm like, I saw you. I'm going to go with Lawrence first, my hardest role all day. I'm going to go with him. I'm not going to worry about it. You know, I'm just going to go. And if it happens, it happens. If not, I'm not going to worry about it. Then it'll be next year and I'll keep on training and I won't quit. But it's here and now I get to compete and I'm pumped you know and i'm not in my we're talking about mindset like i don't know what your mindset is when i first started competing in jujitsu you know i was white belt blue belt so you know i i didn't even give up a point my first year you know i went on my matches my first really? my first pans i went to i, I end up in the final I'm, i was like i'm in the finals of pans this is awesome because they said this is a big tournament right yeah. and i'm like i'm just gonna fight this dude i'm not i'm not gonna worry about it you know i mean i'm been fighting all my life. I'm just going to fight. And I went there and just destroyed this dude just physically. He pretty much just quit. And then when I became a purple belt, you know, I've been training a lot. It's like, I'm going to go do some (laughs) jujitsu. You know, I won my first match, second match. I'm like, oh, I got this guy and he ends up doing a clock choke on me, you know, because I was playing jujitsu. But I wasn't wasn't mentally, I wasn't in it, you know. Mm. And so I guess it's kind of my question, but also reminding myself is that when I go out there, I do my best when I'm more in fight mode. Not, dirty not trying to hurt people but more this is a fight i'm not going to play jujitsu obviously i'm not dirty i'm this jujitsu technique but mindset and just how i'm going to go about it for me and, and i know it's a very individual thing i just know i can't let myself get you know i'm just gonna go out there we're not sparring you know and it just helps me i'm better focused you know i make less mistakes when, when i'm in that way but for you like what is your mindset in, when you're in competitions out there in competitions?
0: Took me a long time to get to a mindset um, where my goal for a while, and I think I'm almost there. Not always. I want to be able to fight with the same mental clarity that I do at my best in training, mm-hmm. in competition. Because <clears> I, I think there's there are times where you can be too mentally aroused. Yeah, the inverted U theory. You heard of that? I haven't. So the inverted U theory is if you're um it's up up, up invert it's upside down right so at the bottom of the graph imagine you've got arousal and performance if your arousal is so low then your performance is going to be crap because you're not switched on so you get to a point where your arousal as you get more and more aroused so you're psychologically and physically aroused john's trying to smirk at me i don't, I don't mean sex. it could be it could be sexually aroused as well right you said
2: it with a smirk yourself he, so. he's like he's
0: like, uh, he's like where's this going where's this going um, so as you get to the top of the U, then you get that sweet spot yeah. of where you're, you know, mentally and physically ar- aroused, um, and it's at peak performance. But then the further you go, the further you go down that curve, the further away you go, the more you, um, uh, the performance suffers and it changes, right? The theory goes that if it's like, if you're just doing a power lift in a competition, it's a fairly simple Well, it's I don't want to demean powerlifting but it's yeah. a lot more simple as a sport performance task than jujitsu or right. you know kicking a field goal right or yeah. you know take you know taking a pat in a, in a, golf, to, a golf tournament so it's getting that it's getting that uh, that balance right getting that balance right of being right there and getting the most out of your performance but not being too much that you go oh shit I completely forgot what to do or why didn't I do that or I missed that opportunity yeah, yeah. which you always have to some respect but I, will, I try to be, you know, fully, fully present in the moment, and I'm, I'm going, out, I'm going, fuck who you are. I'm going out there to beat you. Right. I've only made that mistake like a couple of times, but now I'm going out, but in a respectful way. I'm not, sure. I'm not, I'm not yeah, trying yeah. to hurt you, but I'm, I'm coming out, you know, respect you 100 percent for stepping on the map. But I'm going out there to beat you. So yeah, I'm, I'm, in, I'm in a fight, and I'm trying to be assertive I think is Mm. the right word you know there's sometimes in training where you allow the person to to get a grip and to to get you know certain position you're Mm. a bit more relaxed but when you're really fighting and you're being really assertive I don't know if you've ever noticed this I sometimes I'll find I find I'll fight better if I'm fighting like Tino or Tom so you know Tom's the first degree black belt Tino the third degree black belt I can sometimes fight better against those those guys than I would if I was fighting like a two-stripe blue belt because my mental state is maybe not not quite there. Mm-hmm. So I try to be. I think I'm, I'm working this out as I go, right? Because sure. I haven't got a simple answer for it. But being really assertive, where I'm trying to get to my game as quickly as I can, um, and be be assertive, and not give them anything. Really focusing on grip fighting and grip control yeah. because that's important, right? Because you know the grips is the first point of entry to to pretty much anything, right? So it's trying to Trying to dominate and trying to not give, you know, not, you know, in really insist on positions, not give up on positions. So I don't, I'm trying to, how can you encapsulate that in terms of, in, in one sentence? I don't, I don't really know, but it's been, um, trying to be focused enough where, Focused enough where I'm not giving anything away. I'm going. I'm asserting from. I'm asserting my games, but I'm not so focused on this one particular grip that I don't see the adjustment yeah. he's making to sweep me. So I'm having. It's it's that That's... narrow focus, broad awareness. Mm-hmm. Maybe I don't know.
2: No, I, I, yeah, that make, that makes a lot of sense. Like you put in the terms a little bit more clear what I was trying to get across myself. I mean, I used to teach. My kids, when I was coaching football players, that you play the game like if you were in a fight, and everyone knows it. when you are a fight, how are you? You are just I am fighting, and mm. then take a half step back, and that's where you want to take be a half step play. back, yeah, half step back from that point where you're because if you are fighting and you are out of control, and obviously in the, in a sport, we're in a sport still, you, you know, you are going to get disqualified or do something stupid, make a mistake. You make mistakes, yeah, yeah. you are not thinking, so you got to be able to think and focus. But mm. I was before when I f- competed last time, I was too relaxed I was somewhere off that curve. I don't know which yeah. side I was on, but I was I was on the wrong side. I've I wasn't the, I wasn't peaking So I need to be closer closer to that edge for mm. me personally to, to do well. But I can't be on the edge too, then I'm just, you know, slamming my forearm in someone's face and I think it ch- should
0: <laughs> slam your forearm in someone's face. There's videos of people doing that. Um, <laughs> there um, but I, I think it changes throughout the match. I've got about five minutes by the way as well before I gotta pick the kids up. Okay. So but I'll make this last comment and then we can start wrapping up. Um so I think at the start of the match, it's a lot more like that. And depending on how the match goes, if you be, end up coming into the ascendancy where you get ahead on points, you're in a position, mm-hmm. you get to a point, sometimes you get to a point where you go, I've broken this person and you know you've beaten them. Yeah. Right? There's always a chance you can get subs, you've got to stay focused, you've got to stay sharp in your mind. But there are certain points in a match when you go, yeah, I've got this. Sometimes that doesn't happen. Sometimes you're on the receiving end of that as well. So it can change throughout the match. You know, If I'm, if I'm up 6-0, and I've got someone's back, I'm like, yeah, okay, um, I know where I am in this fight, I know what I need to do, right. so I'm playing, and I'm playing a completely different game, with one minute to go, six minutes up, on someone's back already, I'm playing a different game, to if I was in the, in that reverse position, yeah. or if I'm in training, if it's me and you, and I'm not really looking at the clock, I'm on your back, I'm trying to get a choke. right, it's training, I'm thinking right. about I'm thinking about it differently, but, um, I, so patience is maybe one thing, um, patience and insistence right so patience is not being lazy patience is still pushing forward and trying to get your positions but when you get to certain positions you know taking taking your time to establish that position mm-hmm. and taking your time to kill think about um, okay what's my next attack but what's my next defense what's the next thing this person is going to try to do So try to kill their attacks maybe we're getting more into kind of general stuff and I'm, mm-hmm. I'm trying to almost think about my last couple of fights and frame it into words because I don't think I've done it as much in the past it's um, a good question, though.
2: Yeah. I, I mean, I've noticed a lot with your your pressure game and your movements, like, mm. considerably tougher, considerably heavier, and more... You're going somewhere with those things. You, you're, the space I used to look for is not there very often. It's good, it's cu-
0: a couple of weeks out from a competition, yeah. right? Yeah. So if this was three, four months ago, when I'm not, thinking, not in competition training yeah. mindset, I'd probably... I'm not, you know, maybe it would be the same... Um, I, I it took me a long time actually to 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 get to a point where it's a little bit of a fuck you attitude, and in, in the nicest possible nicest possible yeah. way, right? Not in a nasty way to the other person, but I'm training with you, and you know, a fuck you, I'm not going to give you anything, a little a little bit. And I it took me a long time, even maybe until I started training here, where I I wanted a you know. Would would give maybe not 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 give stuff up per se when people would get positions on me because they earn those positions they earn the sweeps they earn the mm-hmm. taps and stuff, but. I'm a lot more now willing to just go. Well, yeah, just for five minutes. I'm just not going to give you anything, yeah. right? And I'm sorry that sucks for you, <laughs> but you know, it, it's, you know, you're not doing it to everyone all the time, and sure. it's based on the level of the person. You know, I'm not doing that to like a 125 pound female yeah. when I'm rolling with her. It's a completely different mindset. Sure, but there are times where someone like you know Craig, right, who's You know, tough, one of the toughest guys in the gym, right? It's almost (laughs) like he likes to get short. He's awesome. Craig's awesome, right? Everyone's awesome, right? In the gym, I don't like, I don't want other people who listen in to feel (laughs) left out. There's a long list of people I need to mention, otherwise. It's
2: only Craig for me. It's only Craig. (laughs) It's
0: It's just just, Craig. Um, Where, you know, Shit, you've got, to, you've got to be really tough. He's a two-stripe, no, well, he's a four-stripe blue belt. He's a blue belt, right? I forget how many stripes. But you've got to be super tough and mean on him, right? Yeah. Because at the same time, you can think, oh, maybe by not giving him anything, it's been detrimental to his training. But actually, that's really beneficial as well, right? To show mm. him actually, this is how hard you've got to work to get positioned sometimes. So it's, you know, it's horses for courses, horses for courses, <laughs> horses for courses. You know what I'm trying to say. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Yeah, for, for sure. You know, that's what you do to me sometimes. So I, I appreciate it. I you know? try. No, it's good. It's good stuff. I like it. It makes me better. I go with other dudes. It's like, yeah, you're nothing. You're not Tino. You're not Lawrence. You know, Tom, when I get to roll with him, man, the other day, he just, he rolled me up, you know. He's so good, man. He just put it. Oh, so pants? You got pans? All right. It was ugly.
0: Different level. It was a different level. There's times, this happens with a lot, with, with like, you know, a lot of people i train with, not, uh. To say this is only with Tom, but but you know, with with Tom, quite a few times I go, I've just done quite well with you there, with 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 the training. But then, and then I f- sp- sp- spar with him another two two or three days later, um, and it's like he's turned it up a notch. And I'm like, I don't know what the fuck just happened, <laughs> <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. But you yeah. can you can hit people on different times. I think where you go, you're having a really good day. They're not having such a great day, and then vice versa happens, and it's you know good days and bad days right
2: yeah absolutely man big time
0: any any closing thoughts you want any shout outs you want to give
2: oh man um we didn't even get the nutrition did we we didn't even talk about eating
0: dude there's a lot of there's a lot of so stuff much. there's a lot of stuff we didn't talk about the fast the fast day and we we'll us do another yeah. we'll do another one hey i'm down we we'll have to record I'm some down. videos with you as well
2: yeah i appreciate it man uh shout outs oh man uh man, you know, we didn't talk about like what I do for a living. And, you know, I, I work with mighty Oaks warrior programs. I got, I definitely got to give a shout out to them. You know, we're, we're a, we're a faith-based program. Um, you know, I'm a couple time combat veteran and then a police officer. I did 10 years and retired after 10 years after getting my third shooting. And, you know, some issues that go along with that for sure, you know, and, uh, had my hard times over the years and, you know, I was in a much better place now. And I met Chad Robichaux, another black belt who actually founded mighty Oaks. And, uh, guy who served over to Afghanistan, has some issues, and uh, uh, basically got with a mentor. We're a faith-based program. Doesn't mean you have to be a Christian to be part of our organization or go to our programs, but... uh, um, that's that's what our base is of, of, of how we teach and uh, you know just working with veterans and working with first responders and being with both and just helping them because guys struggle they just struggle with life and we just try to teach them some principles to, to be a man basically. And you've you not
0: know? you've not had one suicide right? Everyone has we actually
2: before. we actually had our first one oh, yeah no, yeah a few that. months back but you know after you know we had like 24, 2,500 students go through at this point. And, and these guys are guys in there you know
0: And when you consider how high the suicide rate is with oh that, yeah it's an
2: incredible yeah, yeah for sure and, and you know obviously that's that's a great great number but just going back and being better men you know being better husbands being better fathers and so it's it's a it's been amazing working with them you know and I got involved in that being at Carlson Gracie so I got to give a shout out to Tom Cronin and Carlson Gracie Temecula and all over the world Carlson Gracie right I love it there I mean I love my old last gym but I I love where I'm at now and uh, just you know we have some great people you know people like yourself You know, Tino and the Black Belt and Sean. And man, we're just, we're filled with studs. You know, we are. And just good people. Not just good jujitsu, but they're good people and good men that push me to be a better... Man, every day for sure. So, give a shout out to Mighty Oaks. Um, you our our website is Oaks dot org. Go on there, read all about us. Uh, you know, any veterans or police officers, firemen struggling, or just maybe build up some resiliency so they don't have issues down the road. Hit um, us up. You know, I do all the applications, get the guys to the program. <laughs> you know, I also teach up there too, which is great. Yeah. So, I guess I guess that would be the biggest shout out. And shout out to my wife, who's awesome, who's. You know, I love her, and she's amazing, and she's competing. Friday, I'm yeah. so so stoked for her, you That's know. Awesome. And it's been a challenge for her too. She had some injuries, and you know, you know we, we. She was pregnant and lost twins last year, mm-hmm. and fighting through that whole thing and the physical aspect of that was tougher for a few months too. So yeah. I'm really really proud of her that she's just back on the mats. You know, it's amazing. Yeah. Thank you, brother.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, yeah, with that, um, yeah, thank you for being here, man. I've really enjoyed this. The great conversation, and I think it's yeah. like I don't know we could we could do a whole week <laughs> like, about talk to- <laughs> yes, to- we to- talking about this stuff there's so many it's all it's always the way, right, and I knew it would be this way there's um, yeah, I know there's only one other person I don't think i I hardly prepared for um' it's someone I know really really well, everyone else I kind of prepared for a little bit, but with you, I knew it was just like we, we we talk about this yeah. stuff all the time, but there's some some definitely st- stuff in there you're talking about I'd love to. To do some videos and, you know, I think share some of that information oh, for sure. with people that would be like super, super helpful and super interesting, actually.
2: That would be awesome. Yeah. Any that,
0: any any closing thoughts? Any words, words of wisdom?
2: Man. uh Well, thank you, man. Thank you for, for letting me be here. Thank you for making me better in jujitsu and pushing me like you do. I, re- I really do appreciate that more than I can say, man. I really do. I really do appreciate that. And uh, no, man, train hard and, you know, don't accept Don't accept anything. Don't accept, I mean, I'm 50. I don't really think of myself as 50. It's just just a number, right? You know, and uh, man, go out there and do it. Get on the mats. Roll. Swing some kettlebells. Life will be good.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. right, let's finish it there, guys. Thank you for listening, and we'll speak to you next time. I'm very excited to tell you that this podcast is brought to you by the Mallorca BJJ Yoga Festival. If you listen to one of our recent episodes with uh, Mr. Joe Norda Bear, uh, who is a black belt instructor um, under the Hodger Gracie team and runs and, and teaches jiu-jitsu at his academy in Mallorca, he talked at length about a really exciting festival that he's got coming up in October of this year, the Mallorca BJJ yoga, yoga Festival. So obviously it's a mix of jiu-jitsu, it's a mix of yoga, and it's gonna be for one week in in October on the island of Mallorca which is in the Mediterranean. If you've never been to Mallorca, it's an incredibly beautiful island, um, really idyllic, amazing clear blue water, amazing food, amazing culture, and the weather in October is gonna be absolutely perfect. So depending on where you live, if you need to escape the winter blues and get a dose of vitamin D. I've been to the island myself, spent time with Joe there. It's a fantastic place, he's a fantastic guy. But, uh, you know, more than that, you're going to get some incredible Jiu-Jitsu instruction there. The confirmed people so far, and these are only the ones that Joe Joel has announced, uh, Mauricio Gomez. Um, not every, most of you will know who Mauricio is, but those of you who don't, that's Hodger Gracie's father. Um, so, to learn Jiu-Jitsu from one a person who in his own right was an incredible competitor back in his day you should listen to some of the stories but also would have been a key influence in the success of who is in my opinion the greatest jiu-jitsu fighter of all time that's a person you absolutely want to, to learn from um, done a few lessons with him and myself in the past and can absolutely vouch for the quality of the instruction you'll get there also Ross Nichols uh, you know, one of the the most prominent uh, BJJ black belts in the UK, Ross was on the on the show a couple of weeks ago, and also you've got Daniel Strauss, A.K.A. the Raspberry Ape, uh, and uh, both Ross and Daniel, both Hodger Gracie black belts, both prominent uh, competitors in the UK scene. And Daniel Strauss, obviously, very unique in his approach to strength and conditioning as well. So, and those are just the three people that Joe's has announced. Um, on so there'll be there'll be Jiu Jitsu every day there'll be yoga every day you can mix and match between between them both and it, it, it's no jaw the setup is going to be brilliant there's going to be amazing food there at this hotel you know these this guy knows how to how to you know put on put on a good show and what's even more exciting is that he's given me a discount code that i can give to you that you can use to get 10% off your booking plus 50 euros as a credit to spend at the hotel so if you bought a room for two people you'll get 10% off plus you will get 100 euros to spend at the hotel so that's a pretty good deal if you ask me that uh, code is early griff 50 i'll put it in the show description below so you you know you, you can work past my accent and the other really good thing about um the way joe has set this up is that it's only 250 euros to reserve a place so if you haven't got all the money now you can reserve your spot and you can actually get a refund up until the second the 2nd of august so you can put your money down now because there's only 300 places guys 300 places and you know with, with how big Jitsu is in europe at the moment Those are going to go quickly. So if I was you, I would really, I would snap up the opportunity and get on top of that as quickly as you can. And if you're hammering an hour in, just reserve your space and you've got up until... You have up until April the 2nd to get a full refund. So, you know, I'd advise you to book your space um, as quickly as you can. And then you can always get the refund up until April the 2nd. So I'm going to put a bit of information in the show description with the the, the the discount code uh the at m bjj yoga fest the instagram handle and also the website where you can go and book um but you know at the very least guys get onto instagram follow those guys and find out what's going on but i would highly recommend going to the festival in in, in Majorca, train bjj for a week do some yoga have a have a damn good time and you know fingers crossed maybe i can make it out there from california as well but with that guys let's get on with the show
1: Yes, look up.